Allude to my Wednesday soldiers. It is uh, party time. <laughs> Got the rabbit hole master. I guess that's his real name. And uh, <laughs> a fresh haircut for that guy. Sweet. Nice. Good. And of course, our main partner in crime here, Gabriel, a.k.a. Slick Dissident. I imagine, Gabriel, if you're like me, you're still riding high off of that Truth Warrior production we just put on. <laughs> Holy shit. Yes, that was remarkable. I love Gourmet all the placenta casserole. <laughs> yeah, and I love everybody's uh, having fun with it. Like all the graphics, like the one that Mario made with us doing the kung fu poses. Oh that yeah, that's a good call. I should share those. <laughs> those are so good. Yeah, but what one want- wasn't somebody else supposed to be joining us tonight. Yeah, dude, he he requested to be let in by theme song. I don't know. So I guess here it goes, dude. I don't know. This is this is kind of weird. You guys you guys ready? I think so. All right, here it goes. He's a paranoid, paranoid American. And he's ranting about conspiracies again. He's a paranoid, paranoid American. And he's reading occult manuscripts again. How many thousands of dollars did that cost? That was the best $12.50 I've spent in a very long time. (laughs) You can't even get a gallon of diesel for that. (laughs) I think I spent more than that on like an avocado the other day. (laughs) <laughs> Holy shit. I think that's exactly how much money it costs for a head of lettuce in Australia, according to our, our friend Lucas King. Wow. That's not that huge Australian lettuce, though. That was great. <laughs> Dinosaur lettuce. I heard that that's fake. Dinosaur lettuce? Dinosaurs didn't exist, according to some people, right? Have you actually ever seen baby lettuce in your entire life? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we got Thomas Paranoid American, the uh, mogul of conspiracy multimedia over here. Welcome for the first time on my channel, man. It's good to have you here. Thank you so much. I I feel at home already. Look look at these guys. Look at who we're surrounded with already. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be a wild ride. Yeah, it's not the first time you guys have met, so it's kind of good, right? We met on the Weaving Spiders Welcome the other night. for The episode was at 85, so people can check it out because it was a pretty... Pretty jam-packed episode. I enjoyed it a lot. I saw the Thomas. That was a good one. It's been a whirlwind for me lately, honestly. One and uh, <clears throat> one got me in, but now all of a sudden I feel like I'm doing like two or three podcasts a week, and it's just like my, my head is spinning constantly. That's right. We got you on that sleep deprivation program. Yeah, I mean, honestly, before I started doing any of these, my bedtime was like nine thirty, ten. So now I'm like up at the what was the last? The weaving spiders went until like four or five in the morning. You made it that like, long? I had like work in like three hours after it. It's, you didn't it's, even a, the whole, the whole it's a new lifestyle, man. They did the same thing to me. They ruined my bedtime. But <laughs> like this time of year, I start waking up with the sun anyway. So I'm just chronically sleep deprived. Yeah, same here. Me, no matter how how late I go to sleep, I'm waking up at like the same time regardless. You want to know the trick? You don't need as much sleep if you get a lot of direct hot sunlight on your balls. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was your asshole, not your balls. I don't know about that. It's too hard to get into the asshole. Well, I've heard people... 
Well, I was going to say Leonardo da Vinci slept for like 20 minutes at a time or something, like a total of four hours a day for his entire life. But maybe he was just out like shining his gooch in the sun or something. Well, Eon D only slept for four hours a day, John D, and he would study for 18 hours and sleep for two or, or eat for two and sleep for four. So four hours a day for I don't know how long. I mean, that's how hungry he was for knowledge. But I've heard people who go out in the woods and practice this. I forgot what they call it. Something bathing. I, I don't know if it's asshole bathing, but sunbathing. But they'll go out. and He tells me from he said it feels good. You just spread your cheeks in the middle of the woods and <laughs> you let the sun hit where the sun don't shine sometimes. So now are the woods there just to make you feel like you're in the private? Because <laughs> I'm thinking this would work in the middle of an open field even better. Can I just <laughs> climb up on my roof? Like I live in a, a pretty tight community. I can just get up on my roof and do this. I assume. I think you would get the cops called on you, bro. You'd literally be a paranoid American. Like what is this guy doing on his roof? Like showing his neighbors his asshole is like it's the gooch, it's not the asshole, it's the as gooch. As he's not up there with the rifle again. It's all good. <laughs> my, my neighbors can see me naked if they want. It's not that well concealed. I have a fence, but it's got a lot of gaps in it. But hey, to your point, like isn't that consistent with all the other alchemical writings? So the magic is in the butt. So maybe it's a good idea. So yes, that's where the term "holy shit" comes from. We have so we're working on something. With that, the the comic book series that we're working on is going to have some references. It's going to be we're going to have magical adventures in Tartantia, so it's going to have some references to certain things in there. <laughs> oh, you're, you're dropping that now. That's awesome. Well, I'm dropping it now. Is, you know, Tartarus is the underworld. So, well, th- this is this is going to be a reference to Tartantia because it it attained exactly the surface of the Earth, but it also attained the middle of the Earth. So it's kind of like this this middle ground in between, you know, like the middle like earth the gooch of the world Midgard. almost. It's what all the ancients talked about Midgard. So it makes sense. And yeah. So yeah, the reason we're here is because to, to shameless plug, we're working on a comic book. First issue is already done. I don't know if, how much Thomas wants to show today. If he wants to show a couple of the colors, oh, uh, colored pages. Up, yeah. Yeah. I can show some stuff off uh, at least the first two or three pages or something. And it's uh, it's going to be a series where Chance is eventually going to be on there and a couple other people. But we have issue number one done so far. Issue number two is coming together way quicker than I could have ever anticipated. But you can it's called The Chosen One versus the Saturnian Cube, which is the first issue of the six part series that I want to make. And it's going to be a different every issue is going to be a different conspiracy. And it's going to have a notable, you know, familiar name in the podcasting in the conspiracy podcast community. So we have Sam Tripley in there. Mark from my family thinks I'm crazy. Chris from Mensa. We're going to have Gordo from those conspiracy guys. Tony Merkel. We're going to have a few different people in there that, again, they're going to they're going to follow us into these different adventures. And I think it's going to be a great time. And I'm really excited. Well, before we pull up Thomas's screen share, I've already got my concept character art for you guys. <laughs> Here we go. Tony, Tony, going to be the fork. <laughs> something like that. Uh, thanks, Davin, for making this edit. <laughs> the hair is glorious. <laughs> All right, so 
this is looking really good. I've read a bunch of comics. I'm a big comics guy, so I can say with a critical eye that's hella good art. Yeah, we we're going for quality here. So when you look at it, it doesn't just look like someone you know had a half-assed idea. Like it's going to be a full-blown comic book. It's going to look like any kind of top-quality comic book you've seen before. And if you've seen any of Wan's channel, you'll actually recognize some of the the stuff that's behind him here. And uh, I'll, I'll just I'll do a couple previews here. Juan, you, Juan, you can tell me when to uh, to skip something or go over. No, it should be fine. I think we should be good with the first. Do the first four. That way they can get the. Is it the four or fifth page where we'll, we get we'll, the? We'll get up to five. We'll, we'll cut it off there. And Mark looks so mature. <laughs> yeah, so we got so, so we got uh, Mark here from my family thinks I'm crazy on the left, and we've got Chris here from the Mensa podcast, and the three of them form the Illuminati confirmed podcast. So the comic book sort of takes place with the three of them doing an Illuminati confirmed podcast about uh, the planet Saturn. So they're talking about Saturn here. Juan's saying something really serious. Um, he's getting it wrong. He's like misquoting something. And, uh, and Chris and Mark, as I usually do. Him. Yeah. Chris and Mark are correcting him and he's kind of like reflecting a little bit. And, uh, and what happens is in the middle of this, the computer just goes out, which actually happens all the time in Florida. It's a pretty normal occurrence. But then we've also got this like color, uh, color of space sort of light coming into the window. And uh, he goes and checks out. We're in, we're in page four coming up. And in the back of his yard here, we've got this huge, what looks like an, an Amazon box, but it's from Abraxas Prime. And it's sitting here in, in the middle of his backyard here. And he's standing there in his boxers looking at it. And then we give a really, really quick preview, which gives uh, sort of the, the namesake of the issue, which is Juan versus the Saturnian Cube. And here we've got this character, Abraxas Prime. And Abraxas Prime is based on, you know, the actual Abraxas. And if you're familiar with any of like the symbolism, he's kind of got like that chicken head. So instead of like a direct chicken head here, we've kind of got um, like the aesthetics and the silhouette of one. And then he's got these cool like mech wings and he's got um, the actual Braxis has a whip that he can use and it, and it generates these vibrations, which manifest reality out of nothing. So instead he has these little like rattlers, which kind of represent that Abraxas whip. And uh, in addition to these little snake rattles, at the end of these tentacles that he's got these Lovecraftian tentacles, uh, they also just like scream and, and protest and criticize and like get into arguments with each other. So Abraxas Prime is kind of like this multiple character in himself. And we're seeing a little bit in the foreshadowing here. Here we got Juan poking the stick with a, <laughs> or poking the box with a stick in his backyard, wondering what the hell's going on. And then a really quick little preview of what kind of happens uh, in, the, in the coming pages. So we've got Mark here um, with a, a crystal going through his hand. He's going to be the master of, of crystals and kind of vibration through cr crystalline structures. Juan here from the one on one podcast literally splits into two different wands. We've got um, the, the two elements on his head and the actual one here is an airhead. As you can notice, the air <laughs> elemental symbol. And then we've got uh, Chris here and his his uh, secret ability is going to remain a little bit of a mystery. But you'll notice almost every time you see him, he will be eating a bagel bite. Yeah. We get a lot of complaints like, about him eating on air, so we yeah. have him in all the pages of the comic eating something. He's just always eating something. <laughs> That's great. 
So I don't I mean, do you want me to keep going? Do you want to do you want to cut it here? What's going on, Juan? Yeah, we can cut it here and then let okay. the people it's it's done, by the way. All the lettering and everything is done. We just need to finish up the Kickstarter lettering. Yeah, you can pull up some lettering. It looks great. I think it looks freaking amazing. And it, again, I'm doing it with one of the best in the game. So I'm doing it with one of the best in the game. So that's that also helps uh, a lot because he has streamlined the entire process. And it's a lot of people don't understand how usually the people who contribute nothing to a project have the most to say about something. So I've learned that the hard way and people don't understand how much time actually go and money goes into making a comic. You would think it's something not dumb, but it's like, Oh, a comic book, you know what I mean? But it takes a lot of time and money. There's one guy for the, for the concept art. There's another guy for the letters. There's another guy for the coloring. There's another guy for the shading. There's another guy for every single little thing. There's one person. So I'm glad to be doing it with one of the best in the game where he's done over 50. What is it? Over 50 titles. Thomas? I, I made a list and, and if everything goes on track by the end of this year, it'll be at 47. So next year for sure, I'll have uh, 50 separate, you know, comics created and published. 47. That's Illuminati confirmed right there. Oh shit. Uh, go drop it on me, man. Drop it <laughs> on. <me. laughs> Illuminati confirmed. There you go. Well, we know Thomas is Illuminati anyways. <laughs> he's a he's actually a homunculi, so for a homunculus, so if you guys didn't know. We just taught him how to do tricks and how to write comics. So that's his special ability as a homunculus. He's able to write comics and come up with different ideas. So Wait, I'm looking forward to it. There's a, a lot of what we want to do is inspire the people within the conspiracy podcast community or not in, conspirituality, whatever. Not Let's not call it conspiracy, but alternative thought, the alt media united group to come up with their own comic ideas and hopefully present them to Thomas and he can put something together. There's already a couple people who are working on another comic inspired by my comic and we're going to make it to where we can jump in each other's universes. So it'll be like an all media United universe where we can all do a, a cross pollination and chance. will come up with the interverse podcast comic and, you know, we could all be in there and jump around and we already have our concept art. So the, the artist can go based off of that. And I think it's a really good, uh, like a collaborative community thing where we can turn into something fun. Like yeah, be you the Marvel. Marvel universe or DC universe. I mean, we're we're not talking twenty or fifty characters. I mean, there's hundreds of characters, and just within, with you know, we we might consider like this conspiracy, a cool, esoteric podcast community niche, but I mean, we're talking thousands of people that are in here, and you know, and everyone's really creative. Everyone's got uh, brand new ideas, fresh ideas that haven't really been put out, and sort of popular medium yet you know like we're we're making our way to there and and i'm hoping to be just helpful conduit you know linking some great minds with great artists and great writers and helping because i, I mean i talked to a, an artist today that was saying like yeah i've been trying to work on this comic book forever and, and he's got the skills and he's got everything you need to do it but he just hasn't figured out how to sit down and like write the story and and draw towards that story. It's like, you just keep, you can keep drawing hundreds and hundreds of pictures and you'll never kind of have a coherent story. And then there's writers out there that have the story in their mind, but they don't have the artwork and just figuring out how to connect those people. Um, that alone, it's just like, it's the the coolest thing ever because it's so addictive. Like you connect them and then you see six months later, they're like, Oh, I'm, I've got three different projects going on. And you know, I don't have time for everything, but I love hearing that. 
This is badass. <laughs> I just sent you something, Chance, so you could pull that up. That's our. That's coming up in issue number two, which is Uh-oh, it hit me sure. like a like a bag of bricks. The triple Lee, triple Lee <laughs> concept. <laughs> oh yeah, you come. You broke the triple Lee code. Yeah. So that's Triple Lee, and it's <laughs> Sam Tripley with XG and Johnny on his back. <laughs> and he's got the, the Bruce Lee uh, outfit, the jumpsuit. <laughs> that's awesome. That so it's awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun things that we're going to put together. We're going to throw like shade at certain conspiracies and just make fun of it because at the end of the day, it's <laughs> not taking yourself too seriously, right? Having fun <laughs> with it. And seeing what comes of it. So, you know, Mark's beefing with you in the chat. Like you said, that he got his mustache wrong. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he needs credit for this right here, too. That's, yeah, that's what Mark usually does, bro. It's all good, though. <laughs> I like how you got the, well, he's the welcome to come fingers, up here. The Masonic fingers in there. Oh, um, man. Johnny's throwing it. That's, that, that's on the artist, man. Artist is in, the, in like a secret society, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, that wasn't part of it, but sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's awesome. Right, you can't you can't slip anything past Gabe. Gabe's gonna catch every single symbol in there. Yeah, we love you too, Mark. If Mark yeah, wants to, I hop gotta in send here, you some in. some uh some other comics that are supposed to have symbols in them and see how many like I missed that are still in there. You know what I mean? Hell yeah! That's the beauty of the creative process is through the imagination stuff comes through that wasn't intended, but is still in alignment with like the overall meaning or somehow resonant on point. And, and one it's of like the, a muscle too, man, it's like, it's like a muscle that you got to work out and flex, you know, imagination. Uh, Cause like when you first start doing it, it's, it's just nonstop what they call blank canvas theory, where you just walk in front of a big white blank canvas and you've got every tool and color in the world at your disposal. And you're just overwhelmed with, you know, like, what's the first stroke? What's the first thing I make? What if I do it wrong? What if there's something better that I could have done? And once you kind of get over that and you just, you see a blank canvas and you just run towards it and just start making a huge mess and having fun with it. Like after you do that 20 or 30 times, then you kind of get an idea of like, then you know what, where the first stroke goes, you know what I mean? And you realize that it's not going to be the end of the world if you could have made it at this other angle and this other color, uh, because it's, it's just about getting the idea down onto the canvas. And it's like, you could paint the same idea a thousand different ways. And as long as that idea is really clear and, and pulls people in, it doesn't matter what perspective and what medium you use to create it. I like to say that about creativity, that the people that think they aren't creative, they're really just indecisive. You know, the creative process is just about one foot in front of the other. Metaphorically they're just too critical. Anyone that thinks they're too, they're not creative is just being overly critical of themselves, which is, Maybe even a sign of, you know, like being like a perfectionist in your creativity. And I, I think it's a conspiracy. I was talking about, it, I think it was on, I forgot where we talked about it. I think it might have been on Weaving Spiders Welcome, where there is this conspiracy of as kids, we were always told, use your imagination, use your imagination. And it's like, you know, manifest your, like, you can be whatever you want to be. And then as a, as a grown up, they're just like, Gabe, grow up. You know what I mean? Like, grow up. You know, get in tune with reality, whatever that is. And I think that's part of the conspiracy where, you know, as a kid, they they just let them move along and and imagine a, a limitless world in your mind. And then as a as an adult, 
they cap that on you and they just don't let you. Is it because your mind is stronger than you are led to believe or is there something behind that? You know what I mean? So absolutely. I think it's important to exercise that like a muscle because even me, dude, like I'm trying to think of other ideas and I'm like, if it's not interdimensional, I don't want to know about it. But then it's like, if you're interdimensional, then you can do whatever you want. Like it's, it's like, that. that's like the ultimate power, just transcend a dimension and go into another time or whatever. Like Dr. Strange. I mean, Dr. Strange is one of my favorite heroes of ever. Cause he's so badass. Like all this magic that he does, like, that's what magic, that's what I envisioned magic was back then. Like Harry Potter, he just does all these things and boom, opens up a portal and does all the, like, it's crazy. It's trippy. It's really trippy. And I think we, on some of the parts, we kind of touched on that and we wanted to make it, you know, inspired by kind of like a Rick and Morty, but just on a smaller scale. So I got another uh, image pulled up here. If, if you want to show it. Yeah. Let me just riff on the magic thing real quick. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I grew up on star Wars and seeing the emperor shoot lightning bolts out of his hands and all that shit is really fun. But the portals and the multiverse, how I see that or interpret that is like metaphor for the real magic, which is, learning how to focus your mind and your intention to such a high level, like focus level 12 till the point where like you actually alter the reality field, but you're not instantly like I speak and it appears that level of magic. It's more that you're putting something into the ether with such a powerful resonance and coherence to that resonance that reality rearranges itself to bring that thing about in a way that still follows the rules of natural law. Like that's, you know, but I also love Dr. Strange. We're going to do a Marvel demystifiers <laughs> about that pretty soon. Have you guys done the newest movie yet? No, we have not. That'll be what we do after moon night. If we ever fucking finish moon night, that, we've been off a lot <laughs> with that shit. Moon Knight's great with all of like the the side personalities uh, being linked to different gods. There's time travel. It's got, it's got. I mean, even before this series came out, Moon Knight was always sort of this like off kiltered side of the Marvel universe. That I'm I'm really happy that it actually kind of got brought out into the mainstream. Yeah, and you can really dig a lot of MK Ultra talk out of watching Moon Knight. (laughs) Can teach people about some like serious high level conspiracy psychological social engineering stuff through the lens of that show dark yeah, yeah don't get thomas started on mk ultra <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my red pill yeah the or my timing black is pill or my white pill whatever the hell whatever the hell color it is the timing of MK, uh, mk night moon night is pretty fascinating as well we were just talking about right. like the the suppression of creativity and um, specifically in, in schooling. And I just had these two. This is um, from issue three of Time Samplers, which you can read for free on ParanoidAmerican.com right now. But they're talking about how the pineal gland gets calcified over time and how all of these different things in the world are set to sort of, you know, like you mentioned, chance distract us and just kind of disperse our focus so that you can't have that laser beam um, penetrate, you know, like whatever you're trying to focus on. It's just all spread out. So it mentions here the, the attack on the pineal gland comes from all angles. We've got skies lined with powdered aluminum. We've got vaccines. We've got electric smog irregular sleeping patterns, which we were just talking about. And I blame you on uh, for this part. 
Yeah, uh, just like uh, the lighting supplies. that I'm sitting under right now is confusing the shit out of my endocrine Some system. Some fluorescent I'm lighting, sure. or even even like the any kind of artificial lighting. And then this one specifically is in school. It's one of my favorite pages, and I waited so long to get to this. I had to wait like forty pages in to finally tell this particular page. But it's talking about how the education system they separate. So it says verbatim: American education system is a perfect example of government-sponsored mind control, and I hundred percent fully believe this. Oh, and yeah. the example I've got is that you've got this these literal Pavlovian triggers, which are the school bells that separate the different classes. And what they're doing is it's like, okay, here's what math is, here's what logic is. Bell rings. Okay, forget about how math and forget about how logic work. Now we're going to do artwork and music. Okay, bell rings. Now switch over into science. And it's and it's kind of made like this so that you don't automatically combine these different um, disciplines into like one, you know, main sort of like learning experience. They're all compartmentalized. And this is just designing everyone to kind of have these compartmentalized jobs. And we've got this guy in the background kind of getting like picked on because he's reading a comic book. And then he's playing guitar at the party. And then you see, you know, the, the guy that uh, is sort of like playing by the rules. Here he is behind his computer. That's probably all of us right now. <laughs> and then the other dude that wants to be creative, he doesn't really fit into this big city society. So here he is on the beach, you know, chilling with his dog, playing guitar, you know, just enjoying life. And here's, you know, the flower of life behind him kind of showing that he understands the actual vibrations and the actual reality of the world. Whereas, you know, normal society represented by the, the lame dude on the left, uh, he's the one that kind of went through the whole system and he was compartmentalized. So this is one of my favorite um, sort of like things to point out to people, specifically the Pavlovian bells, um, separating art and science and not allowing you to sort of learn them both at the same time. And I mean, MK Ultra all the way down, right? Just like the turtles. That's awesome. That's awesome. This is so good, dude. So Chance, could you pull up that little graphic I just dropped in the Vibrant? Because it's, I mean, yeah, so- I, I saw it. I'm definitely going to pull it up. I knew you were going there. It is so on. Like, uh, I love that Gabe meme. We need a different word, though. Your memes are like something else. <laughs> uh, but what I want to say about the education system, it, it is completely Pavlonian, as you say. It's obviously mind control. When you look in... Like, it's not even a theory. It's not even conspiracy theory, what the education system is based off of. When you go back to the history of it, just for a little quick recap, if anybody is unaware of this, there wasn't state-sponsored education. There wasn't, like, mandatory send your kids to the, you know, entrainment, indoctrination factory for eight hours a day, five days a week for 12 years. People had their kids at home teaching them real life skills like how to grow food and how to milk a cow and, you know, build a barn, stuff like that. And there was important shit. (laughs) Yeah. The um, the Prussian government had some war going on. I can't remember what conflict started, man. You're going to get started. Why not? (laughs) But yeah, they had a war going on and their soldiers were like you know, this seems retarded. I'd rather go home than just die in a meat grinder. So I'm going to do that. And they're like, the government's like, we can't have people making decisions for themselves based on what's right and good for them. We need to make sure that from the beginning, they're completely trained to follow orders from their superiors without question. And they developed the Prussian education system model. And uh, long story short, not even that long of a story. It was so quickly effective within like a generation that, the other countries were scrambling to figure out how to adopt that. 
and adapt their own version of it. And United States did it. And when the, uh, when it was first instituted, I believe it was Maine was the first state to actually force mandatory education from like by the government. And the parents back then, they knew that shit was whack. And they actually, the, the government, if I'm not mistaken, escorted the children to the schoolhouses with the National Guard, like armed escort to stop, to make sure that the parents couldn't say no to it. It's fucking crazy. We think we live in like the best country ever, but they do that now though. If you don't send your kids to school, they come a knocking. Yeah. It's it's not the national guard. It's the police. Yeah. That's, that's the underlining threat though. Right? Like if you, if your kids truant enough times, then the cops come. And if you still don't rectify it, then, you know, and if you don't answer the door, if you're not compliant, then the the guns come out. So there's always that threat of violence. And I want to, I want to mention real quick too, before I know Gabe or Juan go on one of their rants, but that, another side effect of the Prussian system. It wasn't just mind control programming that worked so well. They also instituted the entire concept of, Oh, you want to do this thing. You want to be a plumber or an electrician or a teacher. You got to get that paper. You got to get that license that says that you went through this government sponsored, you know, system of checks and balances. And now you can, you're allowed to be a teacher or whatever. Um, without that, that whole licensing aspect, the Prussian system would have fallen apart. And that's kind of like, that's not the carrot, right? That's like the whip aspect of it. I think that's just more tools for the government to be able to make money and just milk the system for what it is. Cause at the end of the day, if you really think about it, okay. And I know it's going to sound ridiculous, but what defers, what makes a doctor above a Thomas, what a piece of paper they, they put more hours in than anybody else. They paid more money than you. They, they spent all more, those years. They, they suck more banker dicks. Exactly. I mean, it's, no, it, nobody does more than I do, Gabe. Come on. <laughs> nobody sucks more dicks than Thomas. So, <laughs> but banker again, dicks. I've got, I've got standards. I got to be a banker banker dick. So again, it's, it's this idea of work in this hierarchy for a system that I, I saw today. Somebody posted a clip on Instagram. It was like in 1913 when the was it the Federal Reserve Act went into. They Thank signed you. it on a holiday out of nowhere. Woodrow Wilson. Yeah, Woodrow Wilson. Thank you, homie. Out of out of nowhere, they just signed it in. Everyone was on vacation, and 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 then you know right before that we had the Titanic and that whole conspiracy behind that. So. Again, it's a system that revolves around a piece of paper, a simulacra, that at the end of the day means absolutely nothing. And the only thing holding it together is faith and faith alone. Because if you really stop to think about it, it's nothing. But people are so indoctrinated and so brainwashed that that's how it's going to continue to be for the rest of history. So, you know what, though, that that piece of paper, that license, (laughs) that word tells you everything if you know about words. Before it represented the meaning of like your permission from your master, the actual meaning of license is excess of liberty, exorbitant freedom, freedom abused or used in contempt of law or decorum. (laughs) It's like the opposite of what it actually is, which almost seems like a, like a cruel (laughs) joke, right? (laughs) Exactly. Like when you're licentious, you're doing, you're basically like sinful. So the entire concept of asking permission from Big Daddy to do what is normally right, true, and good for yourself or for others is itself like a total sin. 
It reminds me of, uh, I think it was a Jordan Maxwell rant, RIP Jordan Maxwell, but he, he gets deep into like the maritime law. And there was one part where he brings up that like the defendant or um, like wh- whoever's there without representation, like the actual maritime law definition describes you as like a monster, like a literal monster that is incapable of representing yourself. Therefore, you need this lawyer who's an actual human being to represent you, this monster that has no voice or like decorum to present yourself before, you know, before the almighty judge and, and the jury. Yeah, we covered what uh, monster means in the legal dictionaries with David Whitehead. The, uh, oh, yeah, so you know exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. This reminds me very much of that, like the, the term license. All right, Gabe, you like, ready? It's an insult. Ready to bring up your your bell decode? Yeah, brother. Because we're talking about those bells. I mean, who you know who Bell is, right? Bell is basically your, the demiurge. <laughs> bail. It's the yep. it's sacrifice your babies to bail. To Bell. It's the same thing. All right, so. Wait, that's not wrong thing. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Dude, that, that movie convinced me I was an actual ninja for at least two weeks. <laughs> that's awesome. I think I was a ninja for like six Halloweens in a row. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw that in the theater at like the, the height of when it came out and I was like the age for who it was made for. Yeah. I think the last time I was a ninja, I think I was like 28 or 29 for Halloween. It's I've more often than any other costume. Ninja. I can can still cite half the lines from this movie verbatim. Me and my buddies in high school, we'd go downtown and we'd uh, like pack extra black t-shirts and we'd like just be walking around doing our thing. And then we'd pop into an alleyway and put the t-shirts on our head in the form of like a ninja mask. And then we'd jump out and start like (laughs) pretend fighting at the square good times yep. anyway rocky cole and tum tum <laughs> <laughs> so this was a post that uh chance i think you put this up a while back and i just snagged it and had to put another layer on top but this is an image of the twin towers with the light shining through as though they were made out of paper mache as though the whole thing was designed to come down easy peasy lemon squeezy you know the the and this is the light of truth shining shining on uh a old illusion that was uh lined up from the beginning and it goes back to this prussian education system and everything you were just saying thomas what pavlovian sound did your school use to program you to stop thinking change the subject and move on was it a bell ding or was it the word building is the word building a uh, pyrotechnic charge in your mind to train you to never look back, never think any deeper. In fact, to associate the concept of learning something new with a negative emotion. Well, that and Gabriel think about just the way that high schools look in the modern day. They are constructed very, very similar drab, bland, brutal style to prisons. And so much of what constitutes the like services that are so-called services that are provided to the children there, like, oh, we can't take away public education. What about the poor people whose parents can't feed their kids and they need that free lunch? Well, I mean, you're getting poisoned. They'd probably be better off fasting, to be completely honest. And it's from the same corporations supply the food for school lunches as do the prison system. So it's a big joke. <laughs> 
My favorite was when the bell would go off and you would get up to go to leave to the next class and you'd have that one teacher would be like, I don't, the bell doesn't dismiss you. I do. <laughs> and they would make you like sit down and wait until they would dismiss the class because they had like some power trip or something. It would always get pissed off. So it's like, wait, you're indoctrinating me so I can leave on the bell, but you're, you're going to hold me. I'm so confused right now. What are you doing to me? So there was always that one teacher that would always the belt doesn't dismiss you. I Just do. the one? That sounds like every single teacher that I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> That's very interesting. That makes me think of the courtroom. All rise. Please be mm-hmm. seated. Very interesting. Yeah, a lot of the things it's I, I tell people, we use a lot of the things in history, things that, that you know came from history today that we use that we don't fully understand. Like they teach us all these formulas and everything in school, but they don't teach us what they represent. They just teach you how well, to do imagine it. Imagine too, man, if someone had taught us in school, in elementary or middle school, memory palace, but you're not taught memory palace. You're taught the exact opposite. You're taught stare at this white and, you know, black and white piece of paper with words on it and just stare at that word for two hours until you just memorize what that word is and how it's spelt and what the definition is word for word. And, and I remember in some classes, you literally had to remember verbatim, like the full definition and not even miss like a, like, even if you got the gist of it, you couldn't repeat the gist of it. You'd have to get the exact thing. Uh, and it's, and it's steering you in the exact opposite direction from having this like more creative way where you integrate the information like into your own thoughts and into your own experience, because it's so hard to standardize that. Right. And to take a, to stick a litmus test into you and pull it back out and see the color. Oh, I was looking for a blue. Sorry. You gave me a purple. That's not, you know, you got the answer wrong. Uh, And I think that's, it's just made to be like that because it's, it'll be incredibly hard to manage millions and millions of people that aren't standardized in some way. And I mean, and look behind the, the companies that um, sort of, fund this public education and push it along like standard oil sort of you know pfizer style corporations where they they look over this broad landscape and say it's kind of a wild west out here if someone just comes in with enough money and forces everything to go into little boxes then we can put those boxes on an assembly line and then we can start pumping that assembly line out and think of all the money that can be made you know it's it kind of just follows that exact same pattern of, of industrialization just applied to anything under the sun Yep, <laughs> completely. Oh yep. no! What the fuck? Oh shit! Oh, here we go. Shit. What the fuck? Hello. Who's this guy? Chance. We it's a pleasure to be here. Time. Your your show is always a breath of fresh air, and it was nice to to get the invite. So thank you. Wow, so polite, so kind. You know, we're here to have fun, Mark. Mark, not be like all stuck up. Well, I like to kiss a little ass. I'm so glad to see you, buddy. Seriously, super glad to see you. I'll kiss a little ass since Thomas said he's going to suck some banker dick. So here we (laughs) are. All right. Well, now that we got a larger panel here, I want to throw something out that's a lot of fun to consider. You were talking about how the, or Thomas was talking about, or Thomas or uh, Juan, one of you guys. We we collectively, we're all one. We're all one. We're all Juan. (laughs) And we were talking about making a universe like the Marvel universe, but of our conspiracy uh, crew. Right. So we already have some competition on that. And what I, before I get into that, I just want to say, like, I think it's a wonderful idea. And what Thomas is doing with all his other comics is freaking amazing. Not everyone has got, 
the, uh, I don't know, aptitude is the word or the interest to watch talking heads like us for hours on end going through our research. It's just <laughs> not everyone's cup of tea. Some people's lifestyles don't support it for whatever reason as well. And I get that it means that there's a certain segment of people we can't reach as easily, but comic books and other forms of media that are more engaging. You know, some people learn through pictures more than through audio, right? So there's a real potential to reach people with information and open their mind in a very efficient way with what's going on here. So that being said, uh, I think the powers that were have figured out that we're upgrading to this level and uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Barack and uh, Mike Obama have their own <laughs> movie uh, movie studio now. And they're what starting the a Netflix drama, Bodkin. We should decode that word. Starring Will Forte. So check it out. After overseeing a handful of unscripted projects at Netflix, Barack and Michael Obama are pushing forward with their first scripted drama, Bodkin which will star SNL alum Will Forte, the streamer announced Friday. Blah, 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 blah. His uh, series is from Obama's production company, Higher Ground, which I think is a funny name. James Evan Pilato from Media Monarchy pointed out, what if what a perfect name for their studio since they murdered more people from the air than anybody in history. <laughs> wow. wow. The dark comedic thriller. Uh, follows a motley crew of podcasters who set out to investigate the mysterious disappearance of three strangers in, a, in an idyllic coastal Irish town. Once they start pulling at threads, they discover a story much bigger and weirder than they could have imagined. So yeah, there they are. They're like trying to steal our thunder and putting what it is we do in under their thumb, under the realm of fiction. And yeah, I'm, I'm, not thrilled to hear about this, to be honest, especially that it's going to be on cuties flicks. Although I don't think that they're doing so hot. I hear they've been laying off a lot of people. I, I got to say, we invite the comparison here because there's nothing that you're going to, you're going to see or hear or read. That's going to compare to the, the crazy stuff that's going to happen in issue two and issue three specifically. It's, <laughs> there's, they don't have the budget. They don't have the budget and they don't have the, the balls to, to put out what we're putting out. So I invite competition a hundred percent. Can I drop something real quick on the stream so that the, the reptilian overlords are pleased with us? Yeah, dude. The official, the official sponsor of today's stream is brought to you by Pfizer. And we love Joe Biden. So just in case <laughs> they hear us so they don't pull the stream, I just make sure I slide that in there, dude. Sorry. <laughs> we need, yeah, we need more sponsors than that. Right Can we get here. BlackRock as a sponsor? <laughs> Pro- possibly. Uh, the black cube of Saturn? Absolutely. So yeah, sometimes. Thomas will send me some some ideas and I'll be like, dude, you know, that's it's pretty dark, but just send it. Fuck it. You know, because <laughs> it's about that shock, that initial shock. If you can just get you just get it out of the way at first. Don't tread lightly. No, no, just get it out of the way at first and get it over and done with. So, yeah, absolutely. We do challenge them to that's the whole thing about reptilians right they're not as creative they can only invert and only reuse things so i don't really have much faith in that yeah well said that's true they're scavengers they're culture vultures Mm -hmm. they don't have their own imagination portal to work with other than to imagine dark uh greed type scenarios i guess well it's said that they're 
that they're recycling unfinished projects at Netflix, that they were looking through unfinished projects and they were going to, that inspired them or something. Is that what that said at first? Did I hear that correctly? Like I don't know. Oh. I, it, there was a movie that came out and I'm the worst person to reference movies because I don't own any way to watch movies and I never go to theaters. But there was a movie that came out that was really big. It was like the big Mecca guys fighting each other. And the whole plot of that was that they were podcasters. Do you guys remember which movie I'm talking about? Is like Pacifica Rim or something like that. Oh, Pacific yeah. Rim? Yeah. Pacific Rising? So, yeah, yeah, I, I think, think one of the main a, characters was a caricature of the guy I just mentioned, James Evan Pilato from Media Monarchy. Right. So I think they've been trying to create this or cast this sort of light on podcasters as, you know, um, half wit freelance, you know, un, uh, uncollected, you know, people who are just sort of spouting off their first uh, thought on any given topic without concern for people's feelings. So yeah, that's, that's uh, to not surprising at all that the renegade Barack Obama all of a sudden uh, ditched Bruce Springsteen and, and started hanging out with Will Forte <laughs> to make uh Netflix movies. I don't know. He seems pretty bad at picking industry. He went to, you know, dying rock star. Now he's going to dying Netflix. So we'll see what happens. Well, I looked up that word bodkin. That is the title. And apparently it's like an archaic term for a dagger. It's an instrument of steel, bone, ivory, or the like with a small blade and a sharp point for making holes by piercing. Sounds like a rape needle. (laughs) Or ceremonial purposes. It's like just like that word itself invites the comparison to vampires and parasites right out the gate. So, uh, Mark, I noticed you used his uh, CIA code name there, Renegade. <laughs> well, that's the name of his podcast that he did with Bruce Springsteen. So I didn't even realize that was his CIA code name, but it makes sense that he would uh, make oh. a podcast with. You guys realize Barack Obama's a podcaster too, right? <laughs> oh, dude, I listen to this podcast all the time, bro. I fucking love everybody. Barack it's Obama. the number one podcast ever <laughs> made uh, based on the statistics, so everyone has to have heard it. But yeah, Bruce Springsteen and Springsteen and and Barack Obama had a podcast called. You mean Renegades. President Barack Obama? I mean, no, you use I it don't with mean. a little bit of respect in front of the man's name, Jesus. <laughs> right, you guys aren't even getting his name right. His name's Barry Satoro. All right, sorry, okay. Khalid. Uh, uh, caliphate uh, leader uh, Barry Satoro Obama, that guy, yes. Wow. So uh, that name, Renegade, he's he's a he's a joker. He's a real joker. There's a there's a bit of an anagram hanging out in that name. If anybody wants to extract the the not funny, not funny word that I won't say on the air from the middle of the word Renegade, and then play around with the leftover letters. I'll just leave you, that little puzzle for people to figure out if they care to. Can you PM it to me, Gabe? Please, I want to know. It's it's got the N word, and I'm not talking about no. <laughs> right in the middle. Yeah. Well, Juan's well, almost black. He can say it. Is it the R? Yeah. Well, there is an Irish connection to his family, right? And uh, I've heard from white people that that term used to be. Uh, applied to Irish people as well. I don't know how true that is, but uh, but yeah, that is interesting because apparently Barack Obama has like uh, like a white grandfather and grandmother, right? Isn't he like uh, 
well, we know that he's half and half, but he's got like a connection to the Bush family. I'm pretty sure through that white grandmother yep. and grandfather. All the yeah, presidents are related a, through the matriarchal line. And yep. if there's a connection to Bush, then there's a connection to Crowley. That's what's up. And you Illuminati know, confirmed. You know, maybe somebody may be able to pull this up, but if you take uh, Bush Jr. and Barack and you put their faces side by side, the similarities to the shape is fascinating. And, uh, you know, if you can, like, manipulate the shading so that the skin color becomes the same or meets in the middle, uh, they could be brothers. The, uh, it's really amazing. Some of the so, details to the face shape is remarkable. So one of the moms preferred some BBC versus the, the regular stuff. So <laughs> that's why he came out a little bit of darker B- complexion. BBC, that's a two two three. That's skull and bones in Europe. Hey, skull and bones. Yeah, you can also say that stands for bad British cock. And we know that uh, his mother was dicked down by Crowley, right? Uh, <laughs> Barbara Bush, right? Well, it, it was Barbara Bush's mom, which was Pauline Pierce, I think. Thank you. I've, I've got a I've got a comic book about that coming out soon. It's, it's yeah, it's really yeah, it's for adults only. So it, adults, adults only. We got Tani there? in the chat. If we invite her up here, there will be half Florida people in the mix. Hey. I think we I'm going to send her a link. Cheney, if you would like to get in here, we'd love to have at least some feminine energy. Uh, this this actually is going to be a problem because if there's three Florida people, I have to actually start smoking bath salts. It's it's a Florida <laughs> on law. air on air. Yeah, it's a Florida law that not a lot of people know about. Yeah, it's it's an initiation. After you go to medieval times here, you have to do the bath salts directly after. They don't like it when you do it at the medieval times. So, uh, but wasn't there this little girl that did a project at school that traced everyone's genealogy back, all the presidents of the United States, their 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 ancestor to one guy. And I well, talked about it with you, Gabe. Didn't it's I? every president besides Martin Van Buren, but yes. Oh, Van Buren. Yeah, it's on the matriarchal was- sign or side, which is why it flies under the radar because most genealogy is done through the paternal side. But we know a certain group of um, people from the one place that is also bad to say in any kind of defamatory way, <laughs> they trace through the matriarchal line. So there's that. I just found it interesting because what did you call him, Gabe? You said he was the, known as the little magician or something like that. Yeah, Van Buren is the little magician. And I believe he is one of the many skulls that they, they brag about out there in those Ivy League schools. Ivy League. Really? So the tomb, yeah, skull and bones has his skull for sure. I've heard that. Oh, yeah. so he was was he like a black sheep or something like that? Or that's what? a good question. Um, so the reason why Martin Van Buren uh, became elected was because he actually the the phrase "okay," right? That that word uh, only came into our zeitgeist in the language because of him. His nickname was Old Kinderhook. He came from a place called Kinderhook, New York, and he Whoa. really like innovated the political slogan uh, so that people associated the phrase "okay" with him and the check mark. Right? People had never seen the check mark symbol before, but that's how you would vote on a box. So he kind of like put this idea into the American consciousness of like, okay, check, you know, and, and 
Some people argue that that's the only reason why Martin Van Buren got elected because he used a sort of pneumatic or <laughs> mnemonic trick like that. Um, but also, yeah, which is sort of magic, of course, but also he, you know, only served a very short amount of time in comparison to the presidents that preceded and uh, followed him. I think the guy who followed him was the actually the shortest lived president. He died in office giving a, uh, after he gave a speech in the rain. So yeah, Martin <laughs> Van Buren has a really strange uh, history as a president for sure. He also looks like a little old wizard dude. <laughs> yeah. It comes from like Hudson Valley, New York, which is all like the Dutch and, and they certainly have their own, you know, strange culture. So it was almost like a ritual where, hey, go in for a little bit, get charged up, and then we'll take your skull after you're done. I was doing an episode yesterday with with uh, Andy from Deep Share and Dan Unaki uh, from Rising from the Ashes, and the whole cutting of the head was to symbolize like, hey, I got your soul, because the head, you know, in, in Freemasonic, uh, and back me up here, Thomas, in Freemasonic symbology, the the frontal sinuses where the soul is is encapsulated. There's a gaseous material in there, and suppose that's where the soul is. So by cutting someone's head off, you would essentially have their soul. So we're talking about skull and bones, Geronimo, and all these things. And I mean, Game of Thrones, when they chop dude's head off, you know, all these all these things. Look at that. And back to the school topic, skull and school sound really similar. <laughs> yes. Wait, and well, also and the, the skull origin used of that to name be... Skull and Bones was a boat. Did I just take that away from you, Mark? <laughs> no, no, not at all. But I was going to say skull is sometimes spelled S-C-U-L-L. And also Whoa. skullduggery, right, is it's another phrase for piracy. So, and, and other and, crimes. And that skull with the sea was also a reference to the boats because a lot of those Ivy League schools and Skull and Bones in particular made a lot of their money from basically shipping opium from China and bringing it back over to the United States and using the drug money to fund all of the schools and all of the, the fancy libraries and everything. And that was why they called it skull. And, another reason why skull and bones kind of matched that name perfectly. All right. Hold on. Everybody. We got Cheney here. Cheney so here, I put yeah. you Florida people down at the bottom where you geographically belong <laughs> all together and uh, go ahead and bust out the bath salts. I've never seen anyone do that. <laughs> so that's Actually, amazing. That's amazing you just did that because I was looking at Van Buren's uh, dates and he starts in 1837 and 37 rings my bell because that's the uh, Mason-Dixon line, 37 degree parallel. And then as I'm thinking that, Chance segregates all the Southerners down south. Illuminati confirmed. Can I can I correct myself real quick because this might be important. So I, I misspoke. Uh, Van Buren was preceded by Andrew Jackson, who was like a, a prominent Mason in the United States history. So maybe that's what explains that why they would take his skull because Skull and Bones is a pretty uh, Freemasonic influenced group, even though they're not a pure Freemasonic organization but the guy who followed andrew jackson um oh never mind i'm i'm mixed i don't i'm stupid it's, i take jackson, all that Van Buren, and then william yeah william you're right Harrison. forget it forget it but maybe that's what it is maybe maybe because he because he you know took over jackson's place and defeated him they're like all right well we're <laughs> gonna take your skull now i got my cheat sheet right here Thank you. Yes, that was what I, so I was right the first time and then I erroneously corrected myself. 
Your yeah, first are instincts are usually the correct ones. You got a little bit of ketchup on JFK's head there. <laughs> <laughs> what up, Katie? So, welcome, welcome. Hi, how are you? Real good. It's good to really see you. pleasant to get you here. I love whenever you pop in. And we have a lot of time to, you know, hang out with you. This is wonderful. So rad. You have so much Florida in the room. That BFE. You know, though, we need to hold off. We can't get too Florida centric because two weeks from now, these two guys with you on the bottom row are coming back just to talk about their Florida research. I mean, we can talk Florida, but there's going to be a lot of Florida this month, if that's the case. There's so much Florida to go around. When Thomas and I have even gone through and tried to start a list of conspiracies out of Florida, we're like, this could be an entire show, like season after season after season. It's so much Florida. We've got some, honestly, like the the three of us have been in Florida long enough to have seasons worth of podcast material just about like, for example, Nickelodeon actually came and took over my school when I was younger. Cause I lived like an hour and a half away from where the studios were. So it was just convenient for them. And uh, I think Keenan Keenan, the big one that's on SNL, he like uh, spent two hours in, in the hall bathroom, just like blowing it up the entire time. <laughs> what the fuck? We unleash the demons. Did any kids go missing? <laughs> probably i mean it's south florida of course no, you can't say i don't know <laughs> <laughs> no that's you can't do that on television yeah oh, that's, that's right. a canadian <laughs> show okay that's right i got that confused <laughs> that's alanis morissette <laughs> so i was gonna save this for the day of but i can't i have to reveal it right now but we're gonna be doing that stream the continuation of the occult florida research and what day is that, Chance? What day does that fall on, bro? Uh, 13th, right? 713? Oh, July shit. 13th. Do you know what day that is? That's a very special day. Is that? Anyone? Full moon. The full moon. It's not John no, it's, what is it's it? John D's birthday. Well, John it is D. the full moon that day. So just so you know, I just told you. But yes, okay. It's John D's birthday. <laughs> Oh, that's why that's why homie Romy picked that day, because it was a full moon and it is just so happened to be John D's birthday. So it's going to be extra, extra magical. So we'll see what we get into on that day. Wow. Will that be a full full moon in uh, Capricorn? Mm. An asparagus, I think. What's after cancer? (laughs) An asparagus. Well, the the full if it's a full moon and it's the sun's in cancer, then the moon would be full in Capricorn. Yes. Yeah, it's in Capricorn. Oh, yeah. Shout out to the Cosmic Keys podcast for hooking me up with this great calendar. But yes, it's in Capricorn. Yeah, exactly. He just gave me an awesome contact for a guest today. Uh, If you saw who we put out a show with today, that's who it is. That calendar that they put out is next level. It is so good. Everybody should have it. Uh, I'm going to get one every year. I have this one, and then next to it is one that goes through the the original moon cycle. So it like changes from moon cycle to moon cycle instead of month to month. So I like always compare the two. I got this uh, idea from Chance actually when he was like, "Yeah, I use the I Ching, but I also use tarot." I'm like, "I gotta start doubling it up. Why not? See what happens." You're, you're zooming in on me. You could close me out now. <laughs> I was just appreciating, you know, all the visual feast 
going on with you, mm. not just your background, but this very professional. It's like a hippie's wet dream right. there in that room, dude. It's like, <laughs> does it smell like patchouli in there? I, that's how that's how my shit looked when I was earlier in podcasting, and now well, like, I'm just. All my white. bookshelves come from the back of a gas station, so it's very do-it-yourself. I go and get milk crates, and then I buy a bunch of books to fill the milk crates. So yeah, that's what you see behind me. I got my Sam Tripoli shrine behind me, three Sam Tripoli posters, and uh, Thomas he made this really awesome cover for the... He already had this comic book out, Geronimo's Grave, but it fits in perfectly with what we're working on with Skull and Bones, which is why I'm not so present in the Chosen One comic uh, boardroom, but that's okay. We're all working on different fun things. Yeah, we're all working on a bunch of different projects. And like I said, hopefully people will be inspired to start their own thing and hit up Thomas. He'll hook you up and start your own universe and you can cross pollinate with us. I'll let you use Abraxas, whoever you want. And Thomas, will you make an adaptation for comics of the Animorphs book series that I love from when I was a kid? (laughs) I don't really want to do any work, but I can consult with you about accuracy. Sure, man. Whatever, whatever is, is, uh, is in you, let's get it out. I mean, it (laughs) sounds like, it sounds like it needs to be extracted. Even if the result isn't great, we need to get it the hell out of you. It's the most Gnostic story (laughs) of all time. Like, uh, brain slug aliens come and infest all of the authority figures on earth and a bunch of teenagers who can shamanically transform into animals have to become tigers and bears and slaughter deadly alien races in secret without being captured. Was that really it? Yeah, that's really it. It's like I love that deep. show. I love that show. When I was, I remember kid, the show was garbage. <laughs> books were great. Well, that's I what I meant. But show. either way, the the chance is an animorph. Yeah, I I wanted to be an animorph so bad when I was a kid. I, I like that. Yeah. Does like anyone just, remember the the show called Ghost Rider? It was like a this might be this might be older than most of the people in here, but it was like. Uh, like a religious show or like a church show but it was all about kids that found this like haunted diary and they were literally just like summoning spirits and demons that would like guide them through life but it was like a like a religious show it's so weird dude that's a that's sweet cup holder bro morph. That, that's my main battle morph let's talk this... about that fucking cup holder dog shout, <laughs> shout out Jenny B for creating this is this is this maybe because of the Susquehanna Alchemy T-shirt that you're able to transform like that? That's part of it, and I got the powers from uh, a flat Oberfest uh, alien species. I love it. That's where it so, happened. So, what were they trying to do to us when we were reading Goosebumps? Because I remember as a kid reading those those books, the Goosebump books. Was that a ritual? Were we a part of some initiation at all? Because there was like. There was the ones that you would flip to a certain page, like to pick what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like you would die on some. Like, was that like a ceremony or something that was going on? Mm. There? Well, was your own it, fate. Yeah, there is an initiatory value to the goose. Uh, you know, the goose is the the guardian of the temple in uh, Egypt, Rome, and China. They use uh, flocks of geese to guard the the temple. So. If an invading army what is like coming over the hillside, the geese will feel the vibration way before the people. And when the geese get disturbed, then the, the people in the temple know that some shit is coming up over the hill. So it does have initiatory value for sure. Oh shit, here comes the gaggle. <laughs> How the hell did we start talking about gooses? And I'm currently painting a goose right no now. No way. 
because I brought, I brought up goosebumps, but so weird. <laughs> Initiation. But, but geese are dicks, bro. Like they, I could, I would definitely put a goose up on like guard at my house because they're they go after you, bro. They'll they'll terrorize you. So they'll goose you, bro. They'll goose you. If you were to look at just the silhouette of a goose, though, it's very dragon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're lucky that the geese aren't as big as dragons. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be done, dude. We'd have no more bread. The other thing I'd be curious about the kind of books, the picture, pick your own adventure books. If you knew the number series that the elite were going on, then like if you were to pick up one of those books now and you were to just read like page 33 or uh, the numbers in a certain order, would the story be different if you knew how to speak the symbology that would have nothing to do with if you want this to happen, turn here or if you want this to happen, turn here. But if you were if you knew the coding you could read an entirely different book like a cipher i think that explains what alan marcus is doing on the uh, weaving spiders flow state episodes where he like reads to us from a choose your own adventure book and then we all like collectively decide what choice to make and then he picks up a different choose your own adventure book and goes to the <laughs> that page in that book and he's just like switching from book to book and nobody knows what's going on maybe there's some secret illuminati handshake happening there you got the right idea. You just need the, the Dakota ring so you know what you're doing. That's hilarious. But like the more I look into things, the more occult I see. And not everything is a conspiracy, but it sure as hell seems like everything is a conspiracy. Well, isn't isn't Dungeons and Dragons just a, like an extrapolated version of the choose your own adventure thing? Like that's essentially what that is when you get into a role playing game. It's like it's like a more immersive choose your own adventure experience. And that added to the satanic panic, too. I mean, that was a big thing for the satanic panic because it's wizards and and demons. And in the newer versions, you literally make a pack with a demon like there is instructions on how to make a pact with a demon, like an oath with a demon. So role playing and LARPing are the high, really high magic. That would yeah. be how we would win battles and wars. And uh, we would lay out a sacred space or we might even do it on an altar in between a circle. Like a lot of the times everyone would watch and we would play it out in the battle as we saw it going um, in front of a whole board and then that would be how the battle or we'd carve little characters and put them on a battlefield that was all magic so yeah, I, I remember a movie scene where like it was like a military movie and they had exactly what you just described cheney where it's like little models of figures and they're all like they're literally like the generals of opposing sides and they're kind of it's a fictional movie of course but it, you know they were sort of playing with this idea i wonder how much of that has become ubiquitous to disempower us rather than empower us because i don't know how many people are taking away that message from playing a game like that you know maybe it devalues it and takes energy away from like the the chosen one types who figure this stuff out and use it for good well if so many people are playing around with this energy on uh wisely and using it for silly games maybe it's like a reservoir you know if so many people are tapping into the energy there's only so much to go around just to uh, there's plenty of energy to go around, but I think it's about manipulating public perception now. I mean, before perhaps it was uh, what you're talking about with like the generals and their little chessboard. There's something else going on there, but I'm thinking of like the, the hooks in the sand and other types of shootings and the super scary scamdemic and 
all the other massive society wide level LARPs that are literally a live action role play on TV that enough people are acting out on screens so that the rest of the people start playing the game too. Well, even I if think, you look at like really high level, like high performing sports, you know, superstars, they all have this very specific pattern in mind where before they shoot that shot, they close their eyes and they see it in their mind's eye. You know, they see the shot going in regardless of what sport they're playing. It's just a very consistent theme. And if you look at that, like you're saying, Chance, if you kind of invert that and now it's like they're they're training everyone to visualize what tragedy looks like and what failure looks like and what, you know, jealousy and all these horrible things look like. Once you get trained to know what those things look like, like you, you have already created that model. So now you know how to take any kind of external input and put it into that model versus high performing people that, you know, sports stars or people that kind of like step outside that paradigm where they're constantly imagining like what does ultimate success look like? And they know exactly what it looks like for them. It's the ball goes into the basket. You know, how clear could that be? But for almost anyone else where it's a little bit more abstract, it's so much easier to train you to look for the the failure scenarios and not the win scenarios. I want to point out that awesome comment. I'm going to train some honkers. Now that I know this, so I guess somebody's going to get together like a swarm of geese. She can and, do it too. And train them to fuck people up. That'd be so amazing. Can we work that into a comic, Thomas? Can we work like killer? They already geese? did that on the regular show, bro. Oh, fuck. That doesn't preclude you guys from doing it. <laughs> Simpsons did it. <laughs> uh, anyways, so when the, when the crew has to like fight Barack Obama later and he, like they get to his lair and it's a big. You know, it's like the Louvre in Paris and he's all dressed up as Akhenaten and he's guarding the whole chamber of his like secret conspiracy plan with uh, mecha geese or some shit. I, I like to turn it up to 11. So my mind goes to I'm, I'm almost positive that there is some sort of a, a mythological story of Zeus turning someone into a goose and then fucking them or vice versa. <laughs> like he turned no, he into turned that. into a goose. So so I'm and imagining he, you know um, lured we her <laughs> with we his so we go before, like a pantheon know. of just like twelve god geese and they're just there. They're gonna fuck you. Like that's what they're there for. Yeah, that's what you have. Like uh, you just make them pimp geese and they're always just trying to run game. Like, like they're the just always in the background and they're like, nice ass. And don't geese have the, the corkscrew like the ducks have or is, or is that unique to the ducks? Can you turn, yeah, can you turn that over, Mark? Is there, dude. is there like a corkscrew under there? They do now. <laughs> you got oh, the girl. You got the girl. Okay. He was practicing with that one. What are you doing with that, Mark? Yeah, yeah. But by the I way, I'm know. pretty sure it's called a ballistic penis. In case anyone is taking notes and that's on Jeopardy. The, the Alex Stein is going to have mythological correspondence accuracy. Mario pointed out quite factually that the story with Zeus is actually a he turns into a swan. Well, and someone and points out does it so that swan, his wife won't know point. that he's out banging. Because uh, somehow, if he does it in the form of a different animal, then she won't notice. It's not he considered turns cheating. Into like reeds at some point too, like grass. And like, like once he'd cool even stuff. turn himself into a, a golden ray of light, you know, and just in case eagle. anybody wasn't sure that Zeus is really <laughs> the sun and that the priests of and academic uh, hoaxers have confused the issue over time. Yeah, we had that on the weaving spiders webs a couple of weeks back with Mario, bringing the goose and the Zeus together. And that's where we coined the term crypto zoosology. 
<laughs> when and Zeus, I mean, I'm, I might be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure Zeus was the sixth child of Kronos, um, which you could correlate to being, you know, the sixth planet of Saturn. And he was also the one that Kronos realized, like he had heard that one of your kids is going to end up killing you. And that's why he kept trying to eat all of his kids. And he tries to eat Zeus. And I think he puts himself in like a pill or he covers himself in that like fat free Olean stuff that just like goes right through you. So you can't digest it. And he pops back out and he kills Kronos instead. So I get, my I give Kronos a, uh, a magic rock dick made out of a rock yeah that's the navel oh, of, of the, hey Mario's here he's gonna set the record straight we need to get our <laughs> need to get our mythology accurate so what's up Illuminati confer- <laughs> hey guys nice to see you uh yeah so lead in the swan it's fascinating uh Zeus turned himself into a swan had sex with Lita she gave birth to some eggs and uh, those eggs contained uh, two sets of hero twins, including Castor and Pollux, which is where we get uh, the Gemini constellation from, really. But yeah, fascinating history. Very Zeus-like. That's, that's how he rolls. Just fucking everybody. He doesn't yep. even need to rape, and he still does. <laughs> I know, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> For sure. I mean, he, he even goes... Chase. He even goes to links to hide one of his his concubines, I guess, his mistresses, because he he turns into a into a cow that lives with them. Right? Is that am I getting that right? Io, he's Wasn't done it cow? all, man. He's done it all. He yeah, I like think he's done the cow. Yeah, but Zeus too. is actually the thing about Zeus, who is Jupiter. He's actually also a chick. He's the original trans god. <laughs> it's not very like talked about, but there are. Uh, writings that, that uh, from the ancients that describe that. And so when Zeus gets it on with Io, it's really, I believe, talking about uh, like a hermaphroditic. Um, what's the word? What's the word whenever you generate your own offspring without having sex? There's a fancy sexual parthogenesis, 50 cent word. Yeah. Cause Io, Io, the one in the zero is the, is an older name for the very same entity that becomes Jupiter. Io would be pronounced oh. like yo, and the a and the ah sound are easily Eo, interchanged uh-huh. between languages. Io is yo, is ya, is yov, and yov is a name for Jupiter. You is another version of it. You Potter. Yep. So it's a, I think it's one of those was- deals. I was having this thought today on my walk, and it's quite awesome that uh, that this is the alignment. This this conglomeration, this panel right here, is on the same day I was having the thought. I think everybody's going to dig this. This is like uh, really interesting. We we kind of were going down this line on the weaving spider's web uh, that that time when uh, Mario was talking about the goose. We were talking about could it be that Yay Zeus is the name is designed for you to give consent. You're saying yes to Zeus. And so this way, it's not considered rape. To say yes, Zeus, you're giving your consent. You're allowing the rapture, the rape of Europa, the rapture. You're going, you're going along with it. So that way the sacrifice doesn't have any of that resistance endocrine uh adrenaline in the sacrifice you just go along with it right you know uh and when you die you're happy but could it be that gnosis is the antichrist 
is the saying, no, fuck this, man. This was fucked up. I'm not okay with this. I don't agree to these terms. Is that a thought? I think no is the lost word. No means no, Gabe. Yeah, man. It's my body, my my choice, choice, Gabriel. (laughs) Y'all the bay off. Kiss my D. It's interesting we got into this line of conversation. And uh, I don't know if you guys noticed the background image. The crotches are very prominent on uh, Juan's character and and Chris's character. (laughs) It's the two pillars, bro. (laughs) It's it's Joaquin and Boaz, right? (laughs) Uh, Everything is alchemical. Everything has an alchemical meaning, so... Poor Mario, he's stuck down there. Yeah, bring Mario <laughs> up with us. <laughs> he's like Samson. <laughs> there we go. There. All we right, go. Florida people back where they belong. Got it. That's right. That's right. Between the two dicks. Sorry. <laughs> so back to this idea that there is like a reservoir of magic. I have. I want to agree with that because it would make sense that back then only a certain class could interact with magical things there was a shamanic class that could go on these journeys and the regular lay person wasn't allowed to dabble in the in the workings of the gods or the whatever there was was obviously a hierarchy so uh, maybe that's true or they do know that it's unlimited and anyone can tap into it and that's why these lizards they withhold people from being able to participate and the whole the their acts getting bigger and bigger. I think that just shows the levels of magicians. I think that as the world's a stage, right? As these magicians get more and more powerful, they're able to orchestrate bigger and bigger ceremonies with people who are unknowing that they're taking part in some ceremony. So everybody wear your mask. It's like, is that actually a thing? Or well, at first they told us it was good, then they told us it was bad, then they told us it was good again. So it's like, yeah, it's just like flipping back and forth, but Go ahead and partake in this ritual or the ceremony or whatever. And willingly, how you said, give up your energy to X, Y, Z. And boom, there it is. They've manifested whatever it is that they want to manifest. And it seems like nowadays they're just shuffling through everything quicker and quicker. Like we're done with that thing. We don't even talk about it anymore. Now it's something else. And in between there, we're going to sprinkle in some Johnny Depp and some constitutional rulings and some just lane stuff in there too and all this other stuff but yeah we're just gonna mix it up you know before the aliens come i think that's what's coming next project Blue Blue. everything is, a, is ritual one and every act that we partake in no exceptions is a vote for more of that in the world not just from us I think it's belief and intention too. So like what Mark was saying earlier about carving little figures on a battlefield, if you had an artist or if you spent all this time, like it's really easy for people to conceptualize a voodoo doll. Somebody makes something that with just a little bit of intention, it doesn't even look like you a ton, but these little figures that they were carving out back then looked just like you. So the amount of intention when belief is involved, once you believe it, like a seed of a mustard, once you believe it, that's where the magic lies. So what they're doing now on the level of like what Juan's talking about is they're showing us this stuff on the TV all the time and they can CGI it to such a point that we believe it more than a little figure. We believe it more than a voodoo doll. It has all this belief. And even at least the people most of the time with the voodoo doll know what the voodoo doll is. They know the intention of 
the voodoo doll. They know the spell they're involved with the, with the voodoo doll. People that are high generals at war know the spell they're involved in when they're laying out these figures on the table and talking about five, you know, D game theory. But we, some more people now, because if you believe like a child, oh my gosh, the war in Ukraine. Oh my gosh, these things. And they just take you. That's high magic. They're just taking from you. The word loose is just thrown around now, but I don't think, I think energy is infinite. What high level magicians can do with energy that is finite and learned. And sometimes what very high level people high 5d people they have so much powerful energy they don't realize when their loosh is controlled how much can fall with that like their whole family unit they're all wearing masks now for two years they've shut their business down like they don't even realize that was a high magic spell everything they worked for their entire life was shut down not just their state not just their business not just their family's well-being what they knew how to do forever was shut down what their family may have done for generations was shut down. So it's just like the high magic that was done to us is because we're participating in the ritual is why it's so powerful. Standing six, six, six feet apart, chanting no justice, no peace, wearing our black hoodies up for Trayvon. All we're, these wearing things a mask are ritual. Saying, wearing a mask while holding a sign that says I can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> but also, Cheney, to add to what you're saying, in, in Goetia and all these grimoires right every single entity has a specific job so a certain entity can't do a certain thing when you ask it to do that one thing it's only going to do what it's programmed to do and what wherever it comes from so by them switching and using different parts of our body to to invoke different emotions which are sort of elementals they're tapping into i believe they're tapping into something else because if you read all the renaissance grimoires and all these things it's this spirit is for this you know this other spirit is for this and if you summon a spirit that's to you know communicate with somebody on the other side of the world and you have one that just helps you find treasures it's like he's not he's gonna fucking look at you go why'd you call me up dude i'm not the one that for that you know call belfagor or whoever the fuck else there's these energies like you're saying but then there's also servitors that people are creating on the daily like you're just talking about a somebody servitor like all these entities and all these energies that's where it kind of gets into the when people just think satan it's like that's yeah that idea can exist but the amount of negative energies that are jumping on you from these rituals that you're not knowingly taking part in everybody's like oh my god i'm so scared to touch a ouija board because you don't know what you might open well you're doing that with drunk sex you're doing that with watching the super bowl you're doing that you know it's like all these little things that you're not even paying attention to um you're taking part in somebody's ritual. You're worshiping somebody's servitor. You're giving energy to something you don't know. And so I think that all these, like all the symbols, all the sigils, all the spells, it's just us trying to figure out what the fuck are they up to? Like, what are they up to? I want to point out what you said too, Cheney. Let me throw one thing on the one log on the fire, just to tie it into the school topic. Cause you mentioned like, they're no longer doing what their parents and their parents' parents did. Uh, because of all this new ritual that's been put in place, school is the biggest cr- cause of that. When the education system got put in place, all of a sudden passing skills from parent to child and ancestral abilities were off the table, especially in areas of like 
herb craft and what you'd consider to be like hedge witchery and things that could actually give somebody some level of uh, sovereignty if they were cut off from the rest of society, that they would know how to survive. And you can repeat that with like Common Core, right? In modern day where now you can't teach your kids the same math that you learned growing up. And it just adds to that schism. But I wanted to add one other thing, too, to what uh, Cheney was saying, specifically on these masks. This is one of the best examples is that even outside of any kind of like ritual magic and, and sort of high level programming, there's a very finite amount of things that the human mind can keep in in its conscious kind of purview at any given time. The number fluctuates between person to person, but it's generally about seven things. So any person can basically have seven independent, you know, concurrent thoughts and kind of keep track of them. Now, if one of those thoughts is I have to keep this mask on and like know if it's on and where I'm going, if it's on, just imagine that's one seventh of your mental capacity removed from you. Now add, you know, you're in the car and you have to abide by traffic law. Well, now you're down to five left that you can kind of keep mentally and just keep applying, you know, almost a depression system. We were going back before. There's all of these like rules and regulations and each of those things takes away one extra ability. So at a certain point, when all seven of those slots are filled in your head, the next thing someone tells you, you just do because your brain is occupied with all these other commands. So then someone's like, hey, do this thing that makes absolutely just give me your guns or give me your children or I'm going to do this thing. Fucking fumbling around. Yeah, dude. You're, you're so occupied. It's like, yeah, you're fumbling it. Oh, yeah. That's sure, how people yeah, forget yeah, their yeah, mask when they're driving. <laughs> you see people driving with their mask on. They fucking forgot to do that one step. Just pull it down or take it off. Or just fucking dri- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Drive and, around. And we're not even talking magic here. We're talking just like, you know, like meat space science here. Dude, I was outside throwing my, tr- I was rolling my trash can out down my driveway. It was 11 o'clock at night. It was 11 o'clock at night. I look up and there is a lady walking down the sidewalk with a fucking mask on. And I, I was like, there's fucking nobody here, lady. What are you doing? She was going to rob you. She was about to mug your ass. You're lucky you looked up. Yeah, well, probably. She was, Good thing you looked up when you did. I was like, no means no, not today, Satan. And then I fucking ran inside and fucking took my bath salts. Uh, ironically, so. most criminals are not wearing masks these days, which makes no sense at all. To, like, this is the heyday, right? Like, this is when you can just wear a mask all the time. But whatever, man. <laughs> But yeah, the, the, when you build a mind palace, that's one of the things like oh, seven things, like pick seven things and you, you know, and then somebody put the magic number seven, cause there's like seven Elohim, seven, uh, planetary, uh, you know, planets, the seven, whatever. It's always seven things that you have to remember. And I think that's part of it. You know, it's like to overload the system, overstimulate it. So where you just give everything up, like, Oh, whatever, dude, it's just, it's like a juggling act. Like, Oh shit. You know what I mean? One that brings up a point that I wanted to ask you about. Can you tell us what's in your memory palace? So I was practicing and in front of my house, there's, I think it's like a a big. Hold up, hold up. And also introduce the idea for anyone that's not onto that. So I'm not the one that put me onto this. Slick's trauma castle. (laughs) (laughs) Just a bunch of dicks on the wall. Just like, I like that dick. It looks like so-and-so and and that other dick over there reminds me. So the one that actually introduced me to this thing was paranoid American. So I would have to have him talk about it. But at the, at the front of my driveway is a, 
it's dilled pickles. Okay. And it's like, it was an, it was a, an exercise to be able to populate a mind palace, but it's dill pickles. And then there's Donald Trump in a bathtub full of cottage cheese. And then when I, my door is made out of silicone. Okay. Because I needed to go to home Depot to buy some silicone to seal some stuff up at the house. And then when I go inside, make a left in my guest bathroom, there is it's like six magical socks that swing on the thing where the curtain is at and they're swinging in my son's room. There is Yalda Boath sending an email to Sophia. Okay. So I can't believe you let him in your son's room. He's in there. He's like on the, he's on the and computer. He's not leaving now he's in there forever. Now he's in there forever. Dude, I made this mind palace fucking months ago and I'm, he's sitting there sending an email to Sophia. That's the one thing, Sophia in my kitchen. There is a scuba diver inside my sink full of ice. And then I think that's where I had stopped. But there was like, I, I added a bunch of other shit uh, to it. And yeah, I it just, it's really crazy. But yeah, Thomas, can you talk about the mind palace idea? Well, you, you described the- yours really well. I'll give like the 10, <laughs> the, the 10 to 20 second version is that you remember a place usually from your childhood that you grew up in that, you know, like the back of your hand, a place that, you know, like you went to like your grandma's house and you remember the exact layout and like what the basement smelled like. You find a visceral memory like that and you start putting things you want to remember in the different rooms. So like Juan started his front door and then you do something called linking and linking in some ways is like taking an idea and making like dialing it up to 200. So he said, you know, he didn't just have like a little piece of silicone stuck to his door. The entire door was all made out of silicone. And that was so that next time he went to the store, I assume he remembered, Oh, I got to pick up silicone from the store. But unfortunately now you're going to remember that for years. right? Yeah. You're (laughs) telling me that you remembered all that shit off the top of your head and that's what you chose to remember. What the hell are you wasting with all this space no, in your palace? So, no, no, no. So, okay. So when you, that was a practice exercise. It was like a, a list of 15 things I needed to memorize. When you master the, the concept, you integrate it into research such as, such as podcast research. You know, you, if you're going to be talking about John D, you know, if you want to remember something about John D, uh, I want to remember that. Kelly asked him to uh, you swap wives. So I, I imagine them having sex with angels or whatever fucking crazy thing. It's got to be so absurd that it's going to lock in. So you start to tell stories in your mind pertaining to your research. And that's how you build a mind palace. And it's got to be a different area completely. You know what I mean? So that's, that's how the bards of yield and times were able to remember epic poetry like the entire iliad that's religion chance that the reason why religion is so magnificent and there's all these crazy stories about zeus and 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 whatever god vishnu and all these guys it's because it was oral tradition to pass it on so they had to come up with these crazy stories to remember it and they had to come up with all these wild ideas in order to pass it on to their kids and their kids remember it and that's what religion is today it's the art of rhetoric it's the art of memory it's people building mind palaces to pass on because back then it needed to be super important for you to be able to write it down. So if it wasn't important, let's just tell jokes around the bonfire and tell these crazy stories about our gods. It's like, well, Zeus was, he turned into a swanee. Yeah. Let's say, and he fucked. Yeah, 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 dude. Yeah. Add that in there. And he took the egg and two people came out of it. Two homunculus. Yeah. Yeah. Two eggs. Yeah. Let's add four. So it's all like this, this intricate thing. And we're still talking about it in 2022, bro. So that's religion for you right there in a nutshell. 
I think that's a good point. Uh, The other aspect of it that is important, though, is it's encoding astrotheology, and that makes it also memorable because you'll, if you're initiated into those arts like astrology, then you'll know if the story is on point or not because it won't, or it will or won't match Sky Clock. But I just sent an invite to Johnny, Johnny Larson. I saw you in the chat. If you join us on here and crash this party, you will be able to help us by covering up cartoon one and cartoon thomas's junk <laughs> no I that's really actually chris from mensa podcast oh, that's not bad. thomas i can't <laughs> see the face all i can see is i don't that. recognize Mine people by the tiny like, little spot like that chris that's is supposed I to be here <laughs> i invited chris too but uh, he's late so now his crotch is filling in for him but anyways yeah <laughs> um out of juan's whole mind palace i liked that yalda boath was writing his mom yeah, so it was sending an email to a Sophia, and I was like, "Wow, yeah, Debal." Just that picture, that just picture him floating with his little hands, right? His little hands, just writing an email, and I was like, "Dear mom, thank you for." I picture him me. having like centipede hands, so like a whole <laughs> bunch of little hands. Yeah, there you go. You can do whatever you want. That's the that's the funnest part about making a mind pass. Make it as ridiculous. Oh, there's also a huge cherry car. Like a cherry or no, a strawberry. I'm sorry, a strawberry with four wheels. Cause my wife asked me to pick up strawberries when I was at the store that day and I was practicing. So I was like, all right, let me remember. That's from a cartoon, like an apple and a car and with a worm driving it. You ever seen that uh, kid? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, For sure. Like Nice Town or something like that. I can't remember the exact name. I know exactly. Wait, I I think Richard Scary drew that. I could be wrong. But. So yeah, it's pretty awesome. But yes, Mark, that's so, why you use it for other things, not just crazy ideas. <laughs> I like exactly. it. Yeah. I, I feel like now I need to step my game up, Juan. You're going to create all these John D. memory palaces and how, how is anyone going to keep up? Well, the, One uh, man's the DMT the, trip, you're just lost in somebody else's memory palace. <laughs> that's Dude, yes. an awesome idea. I love that. <laughs> but that was another reason why um, like travel was so important to the ancients is that they would go to these you know, ancient sites and cathedrals and they would memorize walking around through these majestic areas. And it was like, you know, bam, I got another space, you know, to put my mind power. It was like going and collecting like USB memory sticks for them. Wow. Like now they got this badass thing to walk through. I'm going to stick my John D information in that lake. You know what I mean? Fascinating. I'm aware of the uh, mind palace thing, but for a different purpose, uh, a good friend of mine is a tarot reader and she's been doing it for like 20 or 25 years. And she has this technique where she actually walks into a card. Yeah, And so she created a mind palace, right? And she goes into the palace and it has a specific setup that's uh, that she created. And then she goes up stairways and then she goes through a hallway mm-hmm. and then she looks on the wall and the card that she wants to walk into is there. And it's really important to follow the steps on the way in. And then when you're done exploring the card to follow the same steps on the way out. So you even have a key that mm-hmm. opens the door and then you lock it behind you and everything else. So this is pretty much part of that same sort of thing right are you using it for that purpose too or have you guys used it for that purpose i've i've used it for podcast research so what i'll do is you know when you go in on the wall you'll have you know the the origin story of for example jack parsons you know you'll remember some 
some idea that his grandma was a witch. So you can imagine his grandma on like a broomstick or something like that. And then you can make it, the more you practice it, the more you, the more intricate you can make it. But yeah, that's one of the things you could absolutely use it for every single, that, that's actually a really good idea where, cause you'd essentially have, you know, 78 different mind palaces and. Well, and, and it caters very well to the whole, like the whole mechanic behind it is that it provides a uh, structure and chronology. So like if you were trying to memorize a speech, you're going to have like your intro and then you're going to have like leading statements and then a conclusion. So the same way you would walk into a house, you're always going to go into a house through like the front door, the side door. Um, and then you're always going to enter, you know, like the atrium first, and then you're going to go into the living room. So it always follows this very structured chronology. So what you're describing, um, is more like a magic ritual where you don't want to forget like a very important, like stop and start step. Like you don't want to forget to warm down after your workout kind of thing. And going through a house that you recognize reinforces, like you can't forget. It would be like, you know, leaving your front, like leaving your house and leaving the front door open. You're always going to remember to turn around and close that door. So it just, yep. it provides that structure that gives you like this very linear path to follow mm-hmm. okay, so right, i gotta exactly. i gotta sh- i gotta share something that i've almost never talked about i don't even remember the last time this came up when i was a young young child like six seven i invented a space to go into uh ritualistically every night before bed and it was exactly what everyone's describing. I had no idea. This was just self-generated. And you learned it in a past life. It, maybe. It, apparently so. Because you clearly was, knew some shit in some past lives and you draw on it all the time, clearly. <laughs> well, I'm like 36 years later in my days, and I see an image of Westminster Abbey, the interior hall of Westminster Abbey. In it, paused. Mark's got to go. Everybody tell Mark peace out. I didn't want to interrupt, Bye, but I also Mark. didn't want an Irish goodbye. I love everybody here. Hope to do more shows with all of you. Yeah, buddy, you got an open on. invite. If you ever catch a vibrant and want to jump on, just let me know. I love it. Wednesdays, I'm usually editing Susquehanna Alchemy. So, uh, yeah, when I'm done, I'd love to hop on next time. All Take right. It easy, everybody. Have a good one, buddy. So, yeah, it was much later in my life when I found the image of the interior of Westminster Abbey <clears throat> and realized that that's where I was going all those times. And it was really powerful because Westminster Abbey is no joke. I mean, that's a that's a very central nodal point for, you know, ley lines and world altering events. And, uh, and there's a lot of detail. I mean, a lot of detail that is still very because I did it so often. It's still uh, very lively in my mind, but I shot an image of that into the vibrant telegram there. Yeah. Nice. So this is the space that I would very slowly uh, kind of hover up through the center. Now the, the thing is there was no ground. There was a, this was like a bottomless pit where all these people are. It was a bottomless pit and I never looked to, I never looked into it. I just remember, like, there's nothing down there, and I never looked at it. I would just float straight to the stage from where we are here. And all these lamps were fire torch lit. They were not electrical at all. They were all torches. And the torches would flicker in cadence with my breath. Uh, And I would play with my ability to slow down the flicker of my breath and its effect on the torches. 
And it was a very slow approach. And then I would go on the stage and I would have martial combat with many opponents. Uh, and it was never the same. It was always a different uh, scenario. Uh, two guys coming from two directions, two guys from stage left, you know, multiple assailants. And the, the whole name of the game was to throw them off the stage into the pit. And then there was like this whole Tai Chi come down moment back to center. And then I would float back out exactly the way I came in. So looks nice brothers. <laughs> right. Like, Are what? you actually Archangel like Gabriel? Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. I don't know. But that was a trip to find out because it like just hits a chord. Like looking at that image, I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's fascinating. Actually, my mind palace is a cathedral in Spain. And I uh my my friend said just make something up, but my the first thought I had was this specific cathedral. And so that's what I've chosen uh to use these years. So that's cool that you have a an actual location too for yours. Nice. Do you want to share do you want to share any images? Do you got any? Oh, uh, I could. Yeah, I can. Is it I a bunch of dicks, up. Mario? I'm I have sorry, a question for people that have done this because I've never really. The only version of this I've ever done would be like more of a shamanic technique of creating an astral temple that's like your own space that is your launch pad to go to upper world or lower world um, shamanic journeying. And I still remember that. I made that like eight years ago or longer. Uh, but. My question is, because it didn't take me very long to create that, although it wasn't very elaborate. There's like an, an altar in four directions and things in each direction. But how long does it take to construct a mind palace of the level of elaborate that you've come up with, Juan, or you, Mario? So it doesn't, the more you get used to it, the more you can do it. So I would recommend start small, but not too small. That's one of the mistakes that I made. Like my first one was every button on my roadcaster was a different, was a different conspiracy or something, right? I was trying to work, but that's like too small. You need to be able to, you know, put yourself in there and, you know, visualize it. So the bigger and the more grander, the easier it is to remember because those finer details are amplified out. So it's just all, it's all about practice, really. I mean, I wouldn't say, and then when you get good with it, but Shaney was talking about like these servitors, like where you can hire, you know, bring up your own to clean it up for you. If you want to get rid of like whatever it is that's in that corner, or you bring up like this butler or somebody, I don't know, or Thomas in like a thong or something. And he cleans up that space for you so you can recycle it and put something else in there. Something so crazy that it just like wipes away that idea and then you can put something else in there. So it's all about practice. So literally you can sit there and. Like when I was I hope that, that happens in the uh, in the comic <laughs> at some point, <laughs> Thomas, well, like, I need to clean up my memory palace. <laughs> some crazy shit happens in that comic. That's all I'm going to say. But yeah, I'll be sitting there like laying down at night. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like building a memory palace. Hold on. Just give me one second. It's like that <laughs> meme. He's probably thinking about other chicks. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Thomas in a thong, like cleaning up my memory palace. Like, <laughs> yeah, I want to answer you two, two chance. Like the first time that I didn't necessarily do a memory palace, I did what you call linking, which is like taking these huge items that like link from one to the other. But I did it for the first time, and it took me about all of five minutes, and it lasted for maybe three or four years before I completely stopped thinking about it. And it was just like a dumb list of things that I needed to remember in class for one day. 
And I, I, I can still remember like a small little, like we could do one uh, in like a minute or two and just give you an idea if you want to try one. That could, that could be pretty sweet. What you're, I mean, I'm down if you want to guide us through it. What I'm thinking right now is just like how much more powerful our minds are than what we were ever taught. And it, like easily powerful. This is this is like low level probably compared mm-hmm. to the infinite potential that we possess. Mm-hmm. Well, this is your starting point. This was how you were taught to remember the information that that they were about to dump into you for the next, you know, 20 years or or the next lifetime. This was like this was like giving someone, you know, the 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 hard drive to store all their stuff on and if you didn't have one, you're not going to remember anything at all. And that's kind of where we're at now, right? Like I can't even remember uh, anyone's phone number anymore. Yeah. Let alone like, you know, deep information unless I actively put it into these things. So to add, so people always wonder like, Oh, how does Manly P hall remember all these things? Well, it was more than likely he had an intricate mind palace because Manly P hall for a little bit, he would give off, give out to certain people scripts for his lectures And if you were to listen to the lecture and read the script that he would give people, it was almost word for word, but not quite word for word, but almost word for word what he would put down in there. But that's why when he was sitting there, he would just go no notes, no nothing and just go based off. Just keep going. Just have a rhythm and a tempo. And he'd just be going on and on. And there could be sirens blaring in the background. There's a few that I listened to like the sirens are just going at it. And homeboy was just. Yes. And so on and so forth. And he was probably going through some file cabinet somewhere in some crazy mind palace in some cathedral flipping through just reading over and remembering everything, because that's how much he was able to train himself. And I'm sure he had just hundreds and hundreds of mind palaces. And think, think uh, of this one really quick, Juan. Let's say you've got that whole house mind palace that you described before. Now imagine you shrink that entire thing down and it fits into the keyhole of your house again. (laughs) So now you've got the outer bigger house. But if you shrink down to the size of like a key, then now you've got the other house there and you can just keep doing that over and over and over. So it's like, I mean, yeah, I'm in the I'm in the third version of the house right now. And that's what's in this one. And and then like the third version of the house, the cat's asshole down and you put that inside, you know, like your kitchen uh, dishwasher. So now when you open up the dishwasher in the fourth house, there's the third house and you go into the keyhole of the third house. There's a second house like this is you can just do it infinitely forever. It makes me think of that biblical thing of having your treasures laid up in heaven. You know, my father's prepared a mansion for me up there. Yep. You could have infinite mansions up there. Mm -hmm. For Mm -hmm. sure. Okay. I have a question for Thomas or anyone else really, but this mind palace concept, um, it it sounds very Kabbalistic and the Sephiroth of the tree of life and how each Sephiroth in a way is another compartment or room or palace, right. That contains a a wealth of information, you know, and my understanding is that uh, there's a Kabbalistic way of programming people, you know, mind control, MK ultra type stuff. And you're literally using the tree of life to program people. So, you know, exactly what program you're installing in someone and what inversion of it is a Klepothic as opposed to the standard tree of life, the upside down tree. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Right. So to me, that's kind of what I'm thinking of right now. Um, do you have any insights on that? Anyone? <laughs> well, one, one thought is that what we're told, the arrangements of the planets justifies a mind palace that mm-hmm. NASA mm-hmm. claims to have dominion over. So that's something to really think about. 
uh, those nine spheres slash 10. I think we used to remember more as well because there's something done to our brain, even in a photograph, that you will lose that memory the second you take a picture of it because your brain doesn't have the necessity of needing to remember it. And so now photos fill every moment. So you don't need to remember even less of it. Like you were saying, we used to remember so many phone numbers, but now there isn't the necessity that we need to remember them. Something else does. Like our brain is such a supercomputer that the second it realizes something someone else is going to do that or some other apparatus is going to take over responsibility of that task it kind of moves on to the next thing and so in a weird way they've stolen the idea of a mind palace from us because we all do it on our phones now we have all our pictures we have all our files even like you probably so much stuff that you used to remember the second you organize it on your computer it's gone like the second some rich part of the ritual you went through organizing it you're like okay okay, this is safe here. And now you can't recall it like you used to just from your normal research um, mm-hmm. that I feel like they're kind of destroying all the rooms and links in our mm-hmm. brain to make us not have memory. They're breaking Mario, our memory. Sorry, Mario, there's no right way to do it. So it's whatever you, if you want to use the tree of life as your mind palace and populate every single node as something different and the way it links together then you can use it that way. The, the art actually came from, was it, it was Greek, wasn't it, Thomas? Where I forget the guy's name is in, sure. in, in, <laughs> sure. in Politicus or some, anyways, it's a story with the, the original, what's his name? Is it Iamblichus? Is no, it wasn't Iamblichus. Okay. Iamblichus is the guy that wrote about Pythagoras. The, <laughs> it was, it was a story about this guy who was at a party and, Oh, that's right. He's walking through this party. Everybody's having a good time. There's music, da da da, whatever, this and that. And he's walking. As soon as he walks out, he turns around, he walks out. The entire roof of the place comes down and kills all these people. It just killed everyone. And they were trying to identify people's bodies as they were digging them out. So he figured that if he could walk through the building again, he was remembering where everyone's face was. So he'd be walking through the people digging them out of the rubble and be like, Oh, that was so-and-so. Cause I was, I'm mentally walking through this palace and over there, so-and-so. And I remember so-and-so, you know, and that's, that's how it started the, the art of memory. And I can send you a couple of books on it. So yeah, I, I please would, do I, just real quick. Uh, yeah. This is kind of game territory, but mind palace MP. And then I think of the a right in the middle and it's a map. Cause we're talking about yeah. maps here. Nice. <laughs> Oh, glorious. Thank you for That's that. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, there's a good comment over on Rockfin from Braden. He says, I see a lot of similarity between stories and the mind palace idea. Think about how someone can talk on and on about a beloved book or TV show. Yeah, man, this is the real thing. I could tell you in full detail, like the entire plot of a video game that I played when I was in second grade that was 40 hours long of a story, right? And then in this sense, I said it over there in the chat, but the uh, the imagination is the first and final frontier for con- for colonization mm-hmm. by, you know, the powers that were. <laughs> well, and, and to bring this back to uh, to geese fucking people. Right. 
Like that's really just this same exact memory palace technique that we're talking about. That's what mythology is. It's to take these, these huge grandiose stories that are happening up in the sky and the stars above you. And it's this goose is, you know, fucking this chick. Like that's very hard to forget that visual. Um, And that's kind of how these stories can perpetuate years and years and years, uh, you know, millennia later. It's because of that same exact techniques that we're talking about where Juan's got Donald Trump, Trump for some reason in a bathtub full of cottage cheese. It was the, the cottage cheese reason. I remember. It's the exact same reason why, you know, Zeus is turned into a swan. Right, yes. right. No, you're exactly right. And that's why I bring up uh, the tree of life, too, is because this is a map of all the energies. Right. It's like a floor and plan. If you look at it, it literally looks like a floor plan. 100%. Yep, exactly. So, uh, Juan, your story about the the party and the roof collapsing reminds me of an actual experience I had. Uh, one Halloween in college, I was at a house party, and uh, in the and this is so like looking back, I didn't have the the mindset I have now, but now I'm looking back and just telling the story. I'm like, how did I not see how magical this was? I was at a house party in the song. House of Pain, Jump Around, was playing. Everybody's in costume. It's Halloween. And we're all jump, jump, jump. And I'm a basketball player. I'm 6'5". I'm jumping way over everybody. And I'm House really of Pain, hop. <laughs> they're hopping. Yes. And, and you have to get up to get down. That's what's up. It was, it was intense. And I was, like, really into it. All my buddies are with me. I mean, it was shoulder-to-shoulder, packed room. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get a drink. And the song is going, and I'm like hopping through the crowd to get to the bar. And I get to the bar, and I get my cup filled, and I turn around to like, as the song's going, and I'm like drinking, and I'm kind of cheersing everybody, and everybody's cheersing each other, and all of a sudden, the fucking floor collapses. And the whole party, the whole dance floor, turns into bodies just bodies in there approximately two feet into the crawl space. The whole floor just goes two feet down. There's people with busted knees and ankles and hips and everybody's rolling in agony. And I'm safe. I'm standing on the ledge of the spot where all those people just collapsed. They were dancing, having a good time. And now I'm looking back and not only uh, just the fact that it's house of pain, H O P it's, it's just, it's remarkable. It's it's so crazy to think back on that. And uh, it's jump around and it's hop as the acronym. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very intense experience, uh, and I was lucky to survive. I just That's thought crazy. you were bringing up House of Pain to be all Florida about it. <laughs> oh, are they from Florida? Mm-hmm. Oh snap! <laughs> we got you guys on the bottom down, <laughs> down the basement. I think they're a Miami band. Yeah. Yeah, no. So it's it's a it's a very fun thing to not and like how Chance was saying, they don't teach us this stuff. Like the the world's fastest reader, he falls with his finger, and what he does is he'll he'll read everything as quick as he can, following with his finger. What did they tell you in school? Don't follow with your finger, right? Get, get your finger away from it or your pencil, or whatever. And the world's fastest reader will go with his finger, and what he does is he tunes out that that 
the the voice in your head that's reading along when that tunes out he's just able to scan through pages yeah, and that's if you, every speed reader that's mm-hmm. all you got to do is just train yourself to not hear yourself reading the word because that's mm-hmm. the slowest part of it mm-hmm. i get tired bro like i'll be like speed reading something i'm like damn here's another page now i got to do the same thing over and so it gets exhausting so i'll just go back to and here we are the Orphic mystery, you know, I'll just go back to whatever. But you can't ignore retention see. either. Cause even speed readers, like the retention drops a little bit. So you'll get like, they'll say, yeah, I gotta I have read this fast, but I'm at like 90% retention instead of something higher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the topic of collapsing floors and people jumping up and down. When I was in high school, the all American rejects came to town and uh, at the show, the venue where they're playing, the band, the opening band before them, every, they got everyone jumping up and down, and the floor collapsed under them, and uh, all the all the fe- all the concert attendees fell down into the basement. I don't think anybody got killed though. And oh. then the All American Rejects were dicks, and they wouldn't play acoustically outside, even though they had the gear. <laughs> anyway, yeah, every, everybody gets really rude after the floor collapses. Trust issues, you know. <laughs> Can we answer that question? Uh, Chance, the what is the ultimate capacity of the unconscious mind? Is every moment retained? I think, I mean, my answer to that question would be your aura is similar to what you call the unconscious mind. It is the record of everything that you've ever seen, heard, experienced, even been around. Like, in my, in my opinion, even though you might not have been aware of it, if a fly flew behind your head within the space of your aura, your aura recorded that. Oh, well, it goes back to what Plato was talking about. Plato said, we already know everything. We just need to remember because we know everything from forever. We just need to remember. That's why certain things sound familiar. Some people say, oh, was it you and another in a, in a past life? Maybe perhaps it was reincarnation. But I do believe everything is there. The Akashic Records is our DNA. And we're, we know that ideas fears, ideas, things are passed down genetically. That's been proven that all these things are passed down genetically. So I believe that we're some people, some people are able to tap into that and kind of live in both worlds, like the real world and kind of peek over, get the information that they need and then come right back in. And I think that's an, I think that's something you're able to develop. And that's what the ancients are talking about. I'll riff on that for a moment longer. So the idea of the Akashic record, the universal library storage of all information that's ever happened. That is, in my opinion, what you would call the ether, the ether, or you could call it spirit. So if there is a medium that is interconnecting to all spaces and all matter and all energy for it to actually be such a medium, if it, you know, for it to actually work the way that it seems to function based on people who've been able to verify that experientially or experimentally. Like I know that it, I know that it exists because I can wave tuning forks around in my living room and tell somebody, Hey, I'm pretty sure that you had a traumatic birth experience or, or something is going on with your spleen or, or whatever. And they'll be like, yeah, that's true. And so if that's the case and they're in another country when I'm doing it, what is it that that information is coming through from? And it's the ether. So if the ether is the medium that is, all things are vibrating or all the, all the ether is doing is vibrating into different forms or energies. 
uh, for it to actually be the interconnected web of Indra or net of Indra type of idea, that would mean it's indivisible. It would have to exist outside of the dimension or beyond the dimension of things that can be divided. If it's the pleroma, right? That idea of the pleroma, the all, then by definition, it cannot be separated. You can't like take a chunk out of it here and then there's a gap where there's no ether. It doesn't work that way. So if this ether is the record of all information that's ever happened and it's all spirit and it's life force energy and our bodies are a vessel of ether and composed of ether, not even just like it's that it's in our bodies, but the physical meat and blood that makes up our body is actually also etheric. First of all, that means there's no separation between the so-called spirit world or the other side and the physical world. That is the original division that the priests put on people to start the divide and conquer process. And then secondly, that would mean that the ether that is you, when they say you contain the whole universe or your body is the whole universe, the universe is inside you, it's literally true. As in, there is no separation between this, this ether that is me and the entire universal field. And so because of that, your body actually does know everything that could be known. And the key, like whether or not psychic people know that this is the case uh, on an individual basis, what actually unlocks psychic abilities and psychic knowing prescience is that their body, they figured out a way to talk to their body and get the message from their body in some way. And uh, believe that we all have that capability. And what I've noticed in my own personal journey, and probably other people can back me up with their own experience, is that there are certain levels of like spiritual insight or understanding about the mechanics of life or reality or about yourself, uh, wisdom, if you will, that you figure out when you reach a certain level of clarity, coherence, simpler terms, health. You get healthier, and then all of a sudden, Something happens and you're like, oh, I, I know I know this now. You, you learn the lesson. But then if you dip down again, vibrationally, frequency, uh, energy dips down in some way, you're less coherent. You forget those lessons and they're like wiped from your memory as if you never learned them. And then you get to that level of health again where you were at before. And all of a sudden the lesson pops back in your head and you're like, oh, shit, how did I forget that? How did I not know that? It's the same as when you're like. You, you trip really hard on, on some kind of entheogen and you're like unlocking massive insights of what the, what life, the universe and everything is about. And you're like, Oh, how did I forget? <laughs> I've been here before. I've done this before. And so really like all what you said, all, all knowledge or whatever, all wisdom is remembering, not learning. I believe that's a hundred percent true. Well, it's ironic that you kept um, <clears throat> identifying with ether And because as you were describing like the Sakashic record and how like all information stays together uh, through like ores, whatever, uh, all I'm thinking of is like ether and the blockchain, because what the blockchain is, is where this information gets stored forever and all information Mm -hmm. that comes after it is built on top of that. So that like 
all the information inherently includes all other information that is almost like this undisputed truth. And it's and what do you plug ether. into your computer to get the internet? It's Ethernet cable. And and I was and I was going to mention. Don't that talk too, about Ethereum that, like, right now, though. I'm pissed at Ethereum. Well, no, not 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 the cryptocurrency, <laughs> but yeah, like like Ethernet, right? Like this is exactly what we're talking about. Like the Akashic record. You can almost imagine like the worldwide internet where someone asks you a question or or you need this information. It's out there. You just need to figure out how to connect to it. And then once you know where it was at, like it's it's been there and it will always be there. I mean, the the analogy breaks down a little bit now since like Google is breaking in and taking sites offline and stuff like that. But uh, it's like it's kind of what we're talking about. The Akashic Records is sort of this ethereal, ephemeral place where information is indivisible as little balls of energy flying around. I, I that ages change, you know, as we go into ages of higher levels of enlightenment or levels of darkness that technology and the the technology of spirit and the technology of physicality are on this like spectrum where as one rises, the other falls and becomes less necessary. And I think that it's possible that maybe even as recently as the age of Aries, which would be what preceded the age of Pisces because procession goes backwards, that at that point, humanity may have been at the peak of spiritual connectivity, spiritual technology, psychic abilities, telepathy, all the the whole nine things we couldn't even imagine, levitating stones with our mind, making the pyramids of Giza, all that shit. And because procession does that thing where it goes from Aries to Pisces, it goes from the top to the bottom. That sounds like a great reset, man. And then from there, humanity was like clawing their way back through uh, creating technology to recreate the capacity of spirit that they lost in that darkening if you will so how i see it is like the ability for connectivity i think will always exist in the in universe in the experience of life some way or another and what it is is that we're all connected through the ether and in the ages of darkness relatively speaking we've just forgotten that but because we can't actually disconnect it'll eventually pop up in some way like what we have here you know first telegraph telegram um, wires go up and then phones and then now here we are and I think that we never really lose the ability it's just the way that we go about it and experience it will shift based on our level of uh, acceptance of our own actual innate power just a theory though no it's good stuff uh, I'm reminded I've brought this up before but this whole idea that we come through cancer and then we exit through Capricorn, you know, and we're in cancer right now. So it's like, this is what my mind is choosing to see really. Um, but it's really fascinating when you take into account that uh, supposedly what I've heard, what I've read multiple times now is that cancer, right, is the vessel in a lot of ways. So the moon retains, it contains, you know, uh, water symbolism. You think of the chalice and everything else. Uh, I think of the wheel. I think of the circle. I'm a cancer. So this is like one of my deals. Right. Uh, but one of the things that's contained within this chalice, when you symbolically come through cancer is this liquid that gives you amnesia. And so part of the deal is that you're not intended to remember everything right away that you actually have to forget that that's part of this whole entire design, I guess, if you will, is that uh, you forget things and then you remember along the way. And that it seems to me like it kind of has to be that way. Like that's part of the whole deal. That's part of the whole entire setup, you know, that uh, we don't remember and that we have to 
uh, regain this memory or what have you for all sorts of different purposes. Because if we did remember too, I don't know, to me, I can almost see like how that would throw things off potentially, but maybe it is an age by age thing or something to that effect. Yeah. Uh, in Greek mythology, uh, I believe there's a, a character I'd have to get the book to dig the name up, but there are two drinks and one drink is the one that you forget all the things and you start over. And another one is the drink that you remember all the things and you retain uh, your wisdom from the past life. And I think those are called the horn. They're called horns because the horns were used as cups or chalices. And I think one is the horn of ivory. And the other one is the horn of, I forget. I'm going to go get my book. I'm going to read it because it's a, it's a worthwhile entry. I'll go get uh, it. Is the horn related to the unicorn by chance? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a, it reinstills that vision. I'm going to go get Mm -hmm. it. It's a, it's worth uh, pulling forward because there's even a goddess associated with it. I think I bring uh, this up. Yeah. Yeah. Because the unicorn actually, it's one of the symbols of cancer. And it's one of the, it's going to be one of my next videos actually, is that the unicorn symbolically has a a cancerian relationship and that the horn itself is actually the axis mundi. It's the world pillar, right? It's the world tree and it spirals, you know? And so we're dealing with uh, once again, the churning of heavens around the pole star, the North star, right? I think that's what all the cone symbolism Gabriel has been noticing lately is about speaking of cancer. We got 69 in the YouTube chat. Woo. Oh yeah. 69 dudes. (laughs) mario would you be cool with uh, me playing your cancer in the 10 man video that you did oh of course man please do that would be awesome i feel like we'd all enjoy getting a little mario school here just a good way for people to see what they may not know they're missing out on at symbolic studies on youtube or symbolicstudies.com it is i uploaded it to this interface and then just still processing but i'll play it in a minute somebody oh, fill good. the fill the gap somebody hurry i'll just say nervous. real quick uh, regarding the unicorn you know uh the horse travels right and so uh the cherry is pulled generally by horses a lot of the gods and deities and stuff they had all sorts of different animals uh, that i actually think would be a really cool video all the different gods that you know were pulled by goats or eagles or snakes or whatever you know but horse symbolism taps into boat symbolism which taps into chariot symbolism you know it's all pretty much the same thing in my opinion so the fact that the horse and specifically, the unicorn is related to cancer. Um, in my opinion, it makes a lot of sense. The chariot card is ruled by cancer, you know, etc. But the horn, though, I recently learned that the horn of the unicorn, um, they believe that it was able to detect poisons. And so royal families wanted to have a horn of a unicorn. Uh, they actually were buying uh, narwhal horns <laughs> that's my understanding believing that they were unicorn horns uh but they wanted these horns as chalices so that they wouldn't get uh poisoned you know from people you know in their court or whatever i got i got a riff on that real quick i think Please. that might be encoding a uh the court uh poison checker and i think you're it's the eunuch so it's a, a member of the court and they're trustworthy <laughs> so they got to be a eunuch and uh, and they are secretly testing the food before any of the royals test it. So they're like the designated uh, cup bearer. I'm I'm so glad you brought that up because I was gonna I was gonna ask if like the the eunuch 
horn and unicorn because the another one of those um the stories was that you could dip the horn of a unicorn into poison and it would purify the poison instantly yeah that's right Ooh, that's a great point man unic unicorn for sure i love that okay yeah okay let's let's take it way weird okay this is crazy okay so with mushrooms you can feed the mushroom to another animal sometimes it's a reindeer Sometimes it's your your chalice bearer, your cup bearer. Sometimes your, it's your homeboy. <laughs> so your it's your roommate. <laughs> but you're not drinking it. his piss, Thomas. <laughs> yep, they eat you it. You are. They, That's they the take whole point, on the bro. They filter it out, and then you drink their piss, and you get and you get the double trip. A two for one. Is that where buy one get one free comes from? How how close are you with your friends? That's all I gotta say. <laughs> once once you've taken some Amanita filtered uh, special, you know, distilled drink, you'll never be closer to anyone else. I'm gonna need to have you drink this for me. Really <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna hit this. Uh, it's about three minutes, guys. We're about to learn some. Mario's gonna learn us some things. The Wizard of Oz contains so many secrets, it's a little mind-boggling. But there's one thing in particular that I wanted to point out today. The first thing is, notice that there's four main characters. I'm not the first person to say this, but it's really interesting when you note that the four main characters have an elemental correspondence. So let's take the Scarecrow as an example. He's a Scarecrow. He scares crows away. Crows, obviously, and birds are air symbols. He also wants a brain, which represents our ability to think. It's symbolic of the mind, which is very much related to the element of air and the swords within the tarot. And then we have the Tin Man. The Tin Man is symbolic of water, so he wants a heart, which means that he wants to be able to feel again, you know, so this is an emotional concern. And when you're dealing with the emotions in the tarot, you're dealing with the correspondence of cups. So everything that's part of Tin Man's story has to do with water and the emotions and the heart. And then you have Dorothy. Dorothy is symbolic of Earth. We typically call Earth Mother Earth, and she is the mother of Toto. Even in the Thoth deck, the princess is related to the element of Earth. So everything having to do with her story is actually very earthy and related to this concept of home and returning to home. And then you have the cowardly lion. Immediately, you should think of Leo, which is ruled by the sun and corresponds with fire. And of course, he wants his courage back which is symbolic of the will or the wands within the tarot. But for cancer season specifically, I wanted to focus on the Tin Man. Here you can see Dorothy with an oil can trying to make the Tin Man limber again. The reason why he's rusted up and stiff is because he was outside during the rain. So that's the water element coming through again. He also has a hard exterior, which is his shell, just like the crab and the other creatures that have been associated with cancer. And while he's made of tin, which is often linked with Jupiter, who happens to be exalted in cancer, by the way, he comes across as silvery, which reminds me of lunar symbolism and everything related to the moon. I think it's interesting that the moon obviously has a correspondence with all things related to water and the ocean. Here's the heart that he receives from the wizard. I love the fact that there's actually a clock within the heart. Not only are clocks keepers of time, but they also relate to rhythm and cycles, not unlike the wheel and themes associated with the chariot card. And notice that in the Thoth deck, the charioteer has armor. This is symbolic of the shell of the crab and is very similar to the Tin Man himself. It's interesting, when you're dealing with Cancer and the Crab, you're also dealing with the claw. And funny enough, the claw 
has been related symbolically to the saw, in that the saw and claw, which even phonetically they sound similar, are known for cutting and breaking things down. And even the ridges of the claw kind of remind me of the teeth of a saw. A lot of crabs have a sawtooth exterior or shell as well. But the fact is, the Tin Man is also a woodsman or woodcutter, and he carries an axe with him. And I just think it's really interesting that there's this woodworking connection between cancer and the Tin Man. Lastly, I think the word cancer is interesting. Its root is literally the word can, and in many ways, the Tin Man. Represents an empty vessel, making him a symbolic tin can, which he clearly resembles as well. All right, so that's going to do it. As always, I'd love to know what you think. Thanks. Thanks, Mario. I really enjoyed that little inter- educational intermission. <laughs> I always <laughs> like your videos, Mario. Oh, much appreciated. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's always an experience, like because their music is so soothing. But in my mind, there's fireworks going on. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> and fireworks go off in cancer season. Excellent. Hey, yeah, definitely. Excellent. That's true. Your etymological dig on the claw and the saw makes me think of a craw and uh, what other words? Uh, a maw, that you chew, like a monster's maw that chews you up. There's probably more. Yeah, I bet there is. Uh, I mentioned it in the chat, but just props to Homie Romy for pulling me into the Oz rabbit hole not too long ago and doing that show with him. So it was just fresh in my mind. And then out of nowhere, a friend of mine wanted to just talk Oz. And then I decided to do this video about the Tin Man. Um, I recently yeah, had looked into uh, the original um, books of Oz and it blew my mind because there's like this whole other like the actual cast of characters is like triple what you remember from the movies like for example there's a chick named Betsy Bobbin who also comes from she comes from Oklahoma instead of uh, Kansas or something and instead of having a dog she's got like a donkey with her like a horse and she becomes friends with Dorothy so Dorothy and Toto are one pair and then there's Betsy Bobbins and like her her magical mule that like and and they're like friends and they walk around through odds together there's like this whole extra whole line of cast of characters that I'm sure have all sorts of cool esoteric meanings that never even made it into the movies I bet. I bet. Just the few things I learned from talking to these guys about Oz um, of stuff that were in the books and not actually in the film, it like blew my mind. So at some point, I really need to dig into it because I've always appreciated the film, but I've never read the source material. And and there's the Princess of Ozma, which is where the word Oz comes from. It comes from the word Ozma. Oh, I had no idea. Wasn't she a floating head? There's been a few different depi- if you look up all the different depictions of her it's 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 very very magical it gets way more magical than you know the yeah. wicked witch and and the the good witch Yeah Ozma yeah, I I'm pretty sure has like been depicted as a kind of baphomet-ish uh light in the past So I dro- I dropped a ho- a whole bunch of uh uh comments I didn't even ask for Lucas's permission but he and I were riffing on cancer the other night after our show with David, Lucas and I were going back and forth and we shared a whole bunch of just really fun, like, uh, ideas, inspirations that all were kind of bouncing back and forth between us, uh, in the, just about the significance of cancer and that part of the sky clock. And I just love Lucas's mind. Like 
it, we'll, we'll, we'll think we're done with the conversation and I'll go do something else and then I'll something will come back up and I'll spark it back up. And he's in Australia time. So we go all through the night. It's probably like 12 o'clock. He's sipping tea down there and it's I should be in bed. But I shared a whole bunch of really strange ideas that he and I were riffing on. Uh, and I wanted to tell you, Mario, uh, Tin Man, TM, in standard ordinal reduced, that's 24. So there's the time component, the 24 hours of the day. There's that, the clock. Ah, right on. Nice. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to substantiate, so to pick up on that loose end with the, uh, the two, the two, uh, two paths you can go by, one being the dream or the fiction and one being like true vision. They're not horns. They're called gates. Uh, and I think these are these are representing uh, initiated breast milk versus uninitiated breast milk is what I think is the mystery behind this. And that's that ISIS covering, occulting one breast and leaving the other exposed, much like Janet Jackson. Uh, so there is the gate of the horn, which is the gate through which true dreams come to men from the cave of Hypnos and God of Sleep. And the other one, the alternative, is the gate of ivory. And that is the gate through which deceitful dreams come to men from the cave of Hypnos, the God of Sleep. And so those, because they come from the same cave, I definitely see placenta magic in play. And I, this is an important part of my theory that there are some who are initiated and are bestowed uh, a, a quicker path. Uh, you, go, uh, you know, all the T cells, a lot more developed abilities, possibly psychic. Uh, just some thoughts, some thoughts from that. Very interesting. Uh, you know, I never... You know, when you guys propose all of this placenta information, it took me a while to really wrap my head around it and the implications and everything else. And I was already a believer and I was down and I was interested. But the show you guys just did recently, if people have not checked that out with David Whitehead, it really is such a nice package that I feel like after that, I'm just like, yes, I agree. This is what's going on. This is part of the deal. It makes too much sense on too many different levels. And I really liked uh, Chance's new wrinkle with the uh, twin thing. I'm not sure how long you guys have been talking about that. Uh, but that has really, really interesting implications. Some elements of that came up in the moment that like inspired probably by my HGA. <laughs> uh, okay. So people can check that out uh, at truth warrior. The best place is on Rockfin, but also I re I mirrored it to my YouTube and a lot of people have seen it there. In fact, I believe that it's got the most response and, and comments and people saying things about it than almost anything like I've ever done or me and Gabriel have ever done. So I believe that that is resonating with people on a big level, but to pivot a little bit, I just remembered something that I highlighted in a book I was reading today in case it felt like coming up in this conversation, because it had to do with the, the cube, (laughs) your comic book being the chosen one versus the Saturnian cube and all that. So I'm going to read a paragraph from this book because it oddly enough, has a few keywords and uh, links into multiple things that have come up in this conversation. So this is from 
chapter 10 of Spirit World, A God's Acre for Winds of the Soul by Dylan Sicosio. Incredible book. Everyone ought to read it if they're interested in syncretism and dispelling uh, hexes out of their mind. <laughs> so this is a little bit of a read, but not too much. Um, and he had been talking about watercourses and rivers and things along those lines and the symbolism of flow pertaining to all the, in the etymology of many of the names of different gods that cryptically represent the sun and also about how Rome and Troy are possibly not even historical in the way that they've been presented in their astro theology masquerading as history, which uh, he makes a good case that just about all history past a certain point is actually astro theology <laughs> makes total sense to me when, when I read it, but here's the paragraph it's claimed these major cities like Rome and Troy had labyrinths built underneath them. I uh, moved my screen. All right. Oh, shoot. I just lost it. There we go. It's claimed these major cities like Rome and Troy had labyrinths built underneath them. And that's what the great sewers actually were, if not total astrotheology. It's possible that actual cities were built in this fashion, even if Rome and Troy aren't historical. Troy had Pergamos which was shaped like a pyramid, mirroring the shape of the heavens, perhaps, like Maru. Pergamos is cancer. The pyramids of Egypt might be remnants of these ancient allegories built in the shape of what they presumed the sky to be. This is likely the symbolism of the sevenfold cities, their circuits called Ag Aguii, <laughs> or Aguii, I think that's how you say it. Apollo Ergates, built the walls of Troy in a square as a seven-streeted city, which creates cube symbolism, hence Aguius, which means he of the street, having the symbol of a cube, or schema, tet schema tetragonon. So an epithet of Apollo as Agians, which is like that word I just said, the protector of streets, public places, and the entrances of homes. An obelisk that was kept in front of doors of homes symbolized Apollo, the sun. He is claimed to be Apulunus, which in uh, Babylonian, Abulu means gate. Is Ergates an English-speaking person's way of saying gate of the sun? I find that interesting as a tangent. He'd been talking about this word uh, Ergates in previous paragraphs, but if it represents the gate of the sun, makes me think of the Illicinian mysteries and their ergot uh, psychedelic they took. So he asks, are we looking at lies constructed by the British Empire? Abulu sounds also like abuelo, which means grandfather in Spanish. Is this an old man of the year, a guard of the gates, father time, Kronos or Janus, the sun at the end of the year? The obelisk likely comes from the lingam, which is a phallic symbol of Shiva, representing the generative power of nature. So that is interesting. I'll read one other part in the second paragraph. Pergamos is claimed to be the fire tower of Troy, which is Cancer, which would be the seven hills of the summer months, Aries through Libra. This would make Rome, Troya, India, and Babylon the zodiac. And those kingdoms begin based on where the year is reckoned during that age. I'll stop there. I could just read forever, but <laughs> wow, this, this guy's book is just off the hook. Damn. That was something. I mean, geez, uh, 
there's a lot of threads that you can pull out with that. The I concept, just wanted though, to give you the Pergamos thing because, you know, you're a cancer and you got a lot of cancer gravy cooking up for this month. And maybe there's more for you there. A fire tower. Yeah, I appreciate it, dude. That's awesome. Uh, but the thought of, of labyrinths being turned into sewers or telling us that labyrinths underneath the ground would be sewers. That that's really, really intriguing. And then there is a connection with labyrinths and and the number seven too. I brought this up at one point with Gabe, but um, a lot of older labyrinths, it's seven layers from outer to inner or from inner to outer, which is really interesting. So I think that's fascinating too. Um, And then thinking about the cube and you said hex, you know, I think of hexagon, you know, and then uh, I think of, the dice here, which I've been researching and looking into lately and dice symbolism in history is so deep that I almost couldn't believe how much there is to pull at, uh, with that one. So I'll be making a video about that pretty soon. Um, and I just have to say too, it's fascinating that I linked in one of my videos, Judaism with the lover's card, right? It's ruled by Gemini. You got the twin pillars, uh, uh, Boaz and Joaquin, and then uh, here you have the six-sided dice. It's a cube. And then the Star of David itself is essentially a cube. You know, it's, it's the silhouette of a cube. And so to me, and then the dreidel is a cube, basically, you know. And so it's a cube that you just spin. And so it's a cube. Yep. Yep. It's yeah, around exactly. one. Yeah. I so I, I was thinking of Florida in the fact that they have uh, uh like incredibly porous earth underneath the whole mm. peninsula, isn't it? It's limestone, yeah, lime rock. That's how the aquifers and everything go up and down, and that's why we have a lot of sinkholes too, because it's just like cottage cheese underneath the ground. Since since you guys brought up uh, mazes and labyrinths, I got um, one of my comics is called Secret Mystery School, and it's uh, one of the issues is the guys actually have like this honey i shrunk the kids episode of going into a labyrinth and having to traverse it but i did some real deep dive on that and one of the cool things that came yeah there there it is right there um one of the cool um deep dives i did is the uh the origin of the word labyrinth um it likely originated from an ancient greek word of labyrinth which stood for a double-headed axe which was used by the minoans on the island of crete um and this is why the the labyrinths um, might have also been known as the head or sorry, the house of the double headed axe. And another one of the symbolisms here of this double headed axe was these, um, these like conflicting powers of, of left and right, male and feminine. And you've, and what's inside the labyrinth in this house of the double headed axe was a minotaur. And the minotaur, the bull's head has these horns that grow out and then grow back into each other. Again, it's just, it's representing these conflicting sides of perhaps like, I think Jung mentioned that the, the minotaur in the labyrinth was the ego. It's like your personality and how it's always in conflict with each other. And the only way that you can overcome the, and, and sort of like pair these two opposites is you had to kill the Minotaur often with an ax. And that was essentially you killing your ego and destroying this sort of like internal fight that's always going on between your two halves. So, and this is all baked into just the, the exact word of labyrinth and Minotaur. It's all baked into that. Nice. I love that, man. Yeah, uh, the Minotaur Labyrinth thing, dude, is so fascinating for so many different reasons. Uh, but we're getting close, actually, to July 4th. So we're not too far off. Um, and it might seem random, but uh, The Shining, 
in The Shining, Jack turns into the Minotaur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the whole entire deal. Wow. Yeah. And so um, even the original book, Stephen King did not have a maze out there. It wasn't a hedge maze. It was hedge animals. And actually uh, someone created that version of The Shining. There's like a few versions of The Shining out there, including a series. And they used hedge animals. And it wasn't that that version sucks. It's not very good. Um, so the maze was actually a Kubrick thing. And Kubrick uh, used to have a production company called Minotaur Productions. So he's well aware of the symbolism. And there's actually several bull references throughout The Shining. But the reason why I bring up July 4th is because uh, this is the signing of the Declaration of Independence, right? And so supposedly the signing of the Declaration of Independence was timed uh, when Aldebaran was rising over the eastern horizon and that this was a ritualistic signing, which Ross Ben gets into that. And it's fascinating because at the very end of The Shining, they show Jack in that black and white photo and it's for July 4th ball. And so I think there's actually a lot of Taurus, Aldebaran, uh, uh, Gate of Hell symbolism in The Shining. There's so many different doorways and gates in that movie. It's absolutely insane when you look into it. Illuminati (laughs) confirmed. Well done. Wow. So that's a fun one. So, uh, I was thinking when you, uh, during your presentation, Mario, about the Tin Man having the axe and how we think a lot about the axis and that pole, the pole of the pole star. But I'm looking even more critically at the word access, 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 the access point, the place that you came in from. Uh, and I'm always thinking about the placenta, but I have to point out that another word for placenta is the cesta. The, the placenta is your connection to your ancestors. This is the cesta K trust that they make when you come into the world. Uh, so when we say access, it not only makes me think of that pole star, but it makes me think of the cutting of the placenta and what we've revealed on the Dendera uh, calendar and how that center node is where that cutting point is ritualistically preserved still uh, in hospitals. They have no idea why they're doing it. They, they would be offended if we told them that their medical practices, malpractices, are based on an Egyptian Dendera calendar, that they're still upholding that kind of technology that far back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought about that, too, during your guys' show recently. But it's funny that the axe, it chops down a tree which every tree, in my opinion, is symbolic of the world tree. So the axe is used to chop the polar axis, you know, the axis mundi or whatever you want to call it. I love it. Well, how about this? You brought up axis, access, like uh, to access something. The word cess or like the root uh, that is in other words, cess, like C-E-S-S or in words where it's got a S-E-S-S. The word actually means or etymologically is from a Latin medieval Latin term that has to do with fixing a tax upon something, a tax or a fine to fix the amount of a tax or a fine. What does a tax have in it? Tax has X in it. <laughs> Ooh, well, yeah. That's pool is just a bunch of taxes. <laughs> nice. Nice. Wow. And then it makes me think if it's, if we're talking about the word tax, you have ax right there. And then the T it's like the tau cross or world tree or whatever you want to say. So it's almost like chopping down the world tree or whatever, you know, apparently cesspool has a different 
or etymology, oddly enough, even though it has the same letters. But honestly, I feel like the link is there and maybe like the Google etymol online doesn't want you to make the connection between uh, getting taxed and uh, the swamp that's doing it. And it even has, I mean, Seth, it has the pole. It has the, uh, you know, you turn it wow. all into an L, you got the Seth's pole. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good call. So um, I kind of, I missed the first portion of the show, right? Uh, but I'm really impressed with what Juan and, and Thomas are doing here with comic book stuff. It's really cool. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to have to re-listen to like the first portion or or whatever. But I just want to say I think it's really awesome what you guys are doing with all of that. And it's very different. And clearly someone's doing a lot of work. I don't know who. <laughs> it's all <laughs> but, on. Yeah. This is a good thing. Thomas. You know, actually. Let's check out paranoidamerican.com and like look at all these comics that you can read on here. I, I highly recommend busy. the Secret Mystery School for anyone that's been vibing with what we've been talking about for the last hour or something. I mean, Secret Mystery School's got it. It breaks down the Ergot connection, the um, Eleusinian mysteries is kind of what the entire series builds up to. And they actually enter a legit Secret Mystery School and they go, I, are we, I don't know how much I can show. Uh, I might have some pictures I can show of that, of that fourth issue that you guys might really like. Yeah, do whatever you want to do. And one of the best things about Thomas's comic books is uh, the amount of information, like the same way you guys were talking about mind castles or whatever and creating this, the amount of information that it's put in such a simple form that your brain actually can pull back on, or at least mine does, I see in pictures kind of, but there'll be symbolism all in the background of something like what's being said between the characters is one thing, but every little detail in it matters. And it just, you know, it's in this comic form. So our brain automatically now puts it like it's simple. But the amount of information that's in it is pretty awesome. I'm a fan. I've got an example here that, that I haven't shown anyone yet that I'll I'll do a couple little previews. This is from the fourth issue of Secret Mystery School. And they start out in modern day Athens and it's just, you know, a bunch of like garbage on the street and cars. And then they're kind of joking that like this can't just be like some stupid Harry Potter thing where you just walk through a wall, right? <laughs> and like sure enough, you know, he just pops in, he goes through a wall. And this uh, this comic is is one that I've been waiting like over a decade to kind of build myself up to. And here we go inside the cafeteria of the secret mystery school. And you're going to see all sorts of cool symbolism and an unfinished sort of tree of life. There's 108. Uh, there's a 108 up on here. I mean, yeah, you, you can stare at this forever and ever. And we've got like shamans and we've got, um, the, there's a little sign here that says no beans because the, uh, Pythagoras. The, con the concept here is that the secret mystery school is sort of like any John Hughes 1980s uh, teen movie where you've got like the, the mean principal and the mean principal at the secret mystery school is Pythagoras. And uh, and like he's not allowing you to like eat beans or anything. Uh, and we've got a shot here of Pythagoras that's that's teaching to everyone. And, uh, and just, this one like harkens back to actual <laughs> school experiences. So like, you know, here's Pythagoras delivering this incredibly deep esoteric teachings and, uh, Phil, uh, it's, it's Phil and Colin, a play on Phil Collins. Cause I'm, I love, you know, Genesis, but, uh, Phil is talking to this, like this, uh, uh, Mayan princess here. 
and Colin can't hear over him. And, he, and Colin's like constantly worried that someone's going to drop some esoteric knowledge and he's going to miss it. You know, he's like always worried that that information's uh, eluding him. So he's like, you know, telling his friend to, to shut up, you know, shush. And then freaking Pythagoras calls him out directly, points at this dude. Um, and then the, the whole, the rest of this comic is just them going through. Here's a, a real life uh, nightmare that I used to have about doing like impossible math problems. But Phil's like having this crazy idea because they they as they go into the secret mystery school, there's a, a claim on the top that says, like, let no one who is ignorant of geometry, you know, enter this place, which was like a very real thing uh, above these secret mystery schools. So they're they're freaking out because it's like, damn, I, I'm pretty sure I got a D minus in geometry. I'm not sure if they're going to let me into this place <laughs> and I can keep going, but it, it, it gets a little bit adult. So I don't know if we're allowed to show adult things on the stream. Yeah. So. <laughs> people want the x-rated they're gonna have to uh <laughs> follow your work and uh, support That's your right. work man yeah we have plenty of those little nuggets within the chosen one series too of like what's that from oh that's from that mystery school or that that one symbol it's like oh that's from that okay so it's always fun working with thomas because we'll think of both some the most outrageous idea and it's like we'll tell each other this might sound crazy and then when we say it the other guy's like yeah, dude, that sounds awesome. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm really excited. Should be out uh, very soon once the Kickstarter is wrapped up. Yeah, and I there's a link to the Kickstarter in the show notes here. I think if I'm not wrong, people can still back it and get the uh, rewards, right? Yeah. Correct. So we have 13 days to go. It's been it just hit 203 percent funded, so we're over our goal. And yeah, 13 more days to go. 13. There you go. And a lot of, and even if you, um, a lot of people don't know this, cause it'll just be like a nice little treat, but anyone that does back and gets a physical comic is going to get a whole bunch of like stickers and bookmarks and prints and all kinds of things that aren't even advertised just as, like picks. an extra special. Thank you. Yeah. Dick pics from everyone involved. There's going to be custom signed and everything. What about Dick drawings? <laughs> we can work that in too. <laughs> that, okay. I mean, that's what comes in uh, issue two and three. 30 nope. backers, 13 days to go. 30, 13. That feels like somehow Illuminati confirmed. Illuminati seven, confirmed. Right? So it, are you guys going to be able to incorporate any of uh, the great master Nicolas Cage into the uh, into this art process? Uh-oh. If it's the chosen one, I don't see how they could. You guys are going to have to wait and see. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> are you allowed to use his likeness? Honestly, if if anyone's been paying attention, uh, I, we already showed a whole bunch of Nicolas Cage stuff early in this episode. You just didn't see it. For the uninitiated, it's just scribble scrabble. But for the initiated, it's right. a whole entire. There, there's the language. esoteric and the exoteric, right? <laughs> exactly. It's gonna be awesome. Amazing stuff, guys! I'm glad that we managed to talk about your comic for almost three hours. Yeah, and whenever we go, I want to leave with the uh, with that theme song that we played at the beginning. So and I think we should all get, dance. Get that twelve dollars and fifty cents <laughs> yeah, out of it, every penny. Let's definitely do that one. Whenever I get you the I tell you to hit it, but I want everyone to get a chance to like drop any closing thoughts, promote their channels, any work they got coming up that they're excited about. You know, uh, round the horn clockwise with Gabe starting. Uh, Slick Dissident YouTube, uh, Weaving Spiders Webs. Uh, tonight we're doing the uh, Flow State, and on uh, Saturdays we 
go all evening long into the Sunday mornings. Pack your homunculunch. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, you guys can find me at symbolicstudies.com. Um, I'm kind of making Instagram my home. So if you're on Instagram, you should definitely follow me there. Uh, I have several homes. I'm all over the place. But it seems like there's a lot of people there. Um, and I post everything there because they allow everything. Um, that's pretty much it. I do tarot readings and things of that sort. So if you're interested, hit me up. That's been going really well. And my love of tarot has really blossomed again. And my awareness of the cards too has just like gone through the roof. Um, weaving spiders. I usually show up there. I was unable to last week and I caught a portion of it. And the conversation was so interesting that I wish I was there. Um, that happens every single time. I'm like, you guys are geniuses and wizards and stuff like that. So it's good stuff. Uh, but that's going to do it. And uh, we'll see. I might be on this week. There is a big fight. It's also my birthday on Saturday. So uh, I don't know. There's just plans and stuff going on. And it's summer. Things are busy. Happy birthday, I bro. I know. It's UFC 276. <laughs> it's a banger card, man. It's really solid. Well, happy birthday, Mario. Glad that Much you incarnated. It. Thank you. Yeah. I usually don't mention it, but here we are. <laughs> You can catch me at the one on one podcast on all social oh, media. Oh, see what part. I did there? <laughs> look, at those two. Cut. look at those two guys. Look at this guy. That guy on the right this, is so Illuminati confirmed, bro. This is proof that we are legit Florida men. <laughs> <laughs> What's up with the light? The light. I was going to say, are you guys like on a boat on an ocean of piss or what? <laughs> That's well, I mean, the water is very shallow so you're actually seeing like kind of the the light reflecting off the white sand and it's also like really muddy mm-hmm. and you've got that nice that nice beautiful dark green baby shit color for the florida water there you go so follow me on social media at the one on podcast and if you want to hear me and thomas go at it we have a, an, a the occult book club which is our show and we talk about obscure and Weird books, magical books, grimoires, and all that stuff of history on my feed, the one one podcast. And make sure to check out the Kickstarter for the chosen one. Yeah, we're gonna be working really closely and we've got more stuff coming out. Triple's in the next one. We got Alex Stein in the next one too. So it's gonna be really great, really excited. And it's it really the first one exceeded my expectations, and the second one is just cooking. It's just coming quick. So we'll see what happens. And I'll Badass. continue off off that and uh, occultbookclub.com will give you a direct shortcut to the YouTube playlist for a bunch of cool. And we were we touched on a whole bunch of cool stuff that that we go into even more detail on that. Um, but yeah, paranoidamerican.com. You can read a whole bunch of comics for free. And then um, I also live on Instagram is like my one digital home for now until I get kicked off permanently. And that's at paranoidamerican. And I just want to throw in uh, another project that I'm excited about that we haven't started yet, but hopefully we will, is that uh, Florida podcast that Cheney uh, kind of hinted at earlier. Uh, I'm super looking forward to that. So hopefully we can we can get that thing rolling. I think it'll be super fun. Maybe Juan will want to play too. I'm <laughs> Maybe we'll down. get Holy real Romy. Florida about it. Yeah. <laughs> I got some sluts I can bring to occasional episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> if you if you guys could see the pictures of the people that went through my head, they would be offended. <laughs> but I only call my uh, you know, sluts to my favorite girls. Um, you can find me at projectchaney.com or Cheney underscore in Wonderland on Instagram. I think I'm there the most. 
But I'm everywhere. I'm on all the platforms. If you put in Cheney, Donald Trump accidentally misspelled my name this week. <laughs> that was like the highlight of my week because I'm like, finally, <laughs> out of all the times Liz Cheney, I finally get the misplaced A-E for Aether. Wow. That's a, <laughs> that's a stegonographic nod and a wink. For my meme magic, I will say um, what I was doing that day and exactly when it happened. I've never posted a picture of a keck of myself, um, but Johnny was kind enough to draw me a keck head once. And so I put it on a body <laughs> and I posted it immediately when he did the uh, misspelling. Like it was right then. So it was just so stupid of the way um, if you live in the simulation of Tyler, how quickly Tyler would answer. <laughs> that's awesome props <laughs> that was my that's the world we're in now that's how sad it is the misspelling was my highlight of the week <laughs> <laughs> awesome well this was a really good show everybody hit me up if anyone out there wants to do a tune up with my forks and I also am available for tarot and eaching readings too Although I've kind of like Mario, can we swap reads sometime? Like <laughs> practice. Absolutely. That'd be oh, fun. We should, we should set that up. All right. So uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. You know, the drill interversepodcast.com is where you can find links to do the uh, sound healings and, and Oracle card readings with me. And all right, Juan, you ready? Hit it. Yeah. Dance thanks party. for having us on chance. Really appreciate it. This is a blast. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Really great chat tonight. Here we go. He's a paranoid, paranoid American And he's ranting about conspiracies again He's a paranoid, paranoid American And he's reading occult manuscripts again